You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Nostalgia is one of the strongest forces in the human psyche and is responsible for the continued existence of some of our favorite fandoms. From the minds behind the Dole Up and Dreams podcast and Isolation Cast Voices from Quarantine, Saturday Morning Confidential takes you on a deep dive into the properties that helped influence the artists and creators of today. So whether you are a Goonie, a Gem Girl, a Digi Destined, or you just want to return to Oz... New episodes release on Fridays bi-weekly starting January 1st of 2021. And join us on the Wednesdays after the main show for the Serial Killer Radio Hour, where we sit down with the people responsible for the toys, shows, and fandoms that you love. Now you can find Saturday Morning Confidential at certainpov.com backslash smcpod or on your favorite podcast platforms. So don't forget to tune in for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. everybody to we have issues geek elite media show that's about everything literary books comic books web comics manga and everything else you might be reading we're here to talk about it as always i am your host keith and i'm joined by my stalwart sidekick who is always at my side ho sway man i can always appreciate a very light light week of comics <laughs> not that I, do, I love my comics but oh my god can i just appreciate a nice light load it's been so heavy lately that I think if this was a heavier week, I don't know if I would have gotten through them. Oh, man, yeah. Like, last night was the first time I was reading comics in a long time that I'm like, I need, a I need to stop because I'm not absorbing anything. Yes. I'm just, I'm just turning pages. But luckily, I woke up this morning and I was able to read some more and I'm like, okay, I'm back into it. This yeah. is good. So, yeah. Uh, light week of comics, but we do have some things to talk about, some really important comics to talk about, mm-hmm. and some very important news. So, let's get started with the news. The first thing I want to talk about is the Eisner nominations are out. Um, those who've listened to our show for a year now know that I am a massive, massive fan of the Eisners. Um, it's the comic book Oscars, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and it's always a lot of fun. This goes back to me meeting Matt Fraction at uh, Comic-Con 2015 when he was in the middle of the Hawkeye run. Uh-huh. Being in his panel about the Hawkeye run when so- they came in and gave him his award on stage. They surprised uh-huh. him. <laughs> like he didn't know he was going to win it so it was really cool so that was awesome I know. so ever since then i've always been obsessed with the eisners and i know it's very political i know it's a very it's a like very touchy subject <laughs> yeah but that's what it is i mean it's 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 an industry award and the thing with these industry awards is they tend to show problems within the industries which is good you know what i mean and that's kind of what it, it's representative of the the ongoing issues in the industry and we can talk about that a little bit if you guys want. But instead of focusing on, oh, so-and-so should have been nominated, which we'll probably have one or two of those. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But but there was a very apparent, like, huh. There there's two or three that me and Hoster are like, mm. <laughs> but, uh But instead of focusing as much on that, we do want to focus on the positivity. Because a lot of what was nominated 
is incredible. Oh my god, and yes. So we're going to talk about a couple of the main categories. Um, and I'm going to put Josue on, on, on the spot. <laughs> oh, man, I hate Because some of these he's going to be torn about. But first off, Josue. Yeah. Best continuing series. Last year, this went to Bitterroot. Yes. Bitterroot's nominated again. Is not, yes. <laughs> Along with yeah. Daredevil. Yep. Department of Truth. Yes. Gideon Falls. Stillwater, Stillwater. which surprised me. Me too. Honestly, me yeah. too. And Yusaki Yojimbo. Which is really dope. Yeah. So, what do you want? To, what do you think is going to win? And what do you want to win? <laughs> um, Just because like, I have no power in this in, in the first ones, uh, Bitterroot. I, I think Bitterroot will win. <laughs> would I want to win? Of course, I would love to give it to Bitterroot again because it's just like two times in a row. Um, but they had that break. So, I, I do want to give it to a comic that did continuously uh, put out stuff uh, for the year. Uh, so I'm torn between Daredevil and Department of Truth, to be honest. Stillwater is really good, but out of the two Zarsky runs, I kind of still am waiting for a little bit more on Stillwater to develop instead of just like the next like like cliffhanger. But but Daredevil has just been fucking amazing. But then I'd rather not give it to one of the big two, so it just leaves me with uh, Department of Truth. And it's just like issue after issue. It's just it it leaves me super fucking creeped out. It leaves me like just like not knowing what I should really think. And it's just like, it, it makes me feel stupid in the end, but in the way that I just love that comics are, are can make me feel this way. And that's what makes me love the, me- the medium so much. So in the end, I think, I think I'm leaning with, leaning with Department of Truth. Only because I, I know I'm getting the movie for, for Bitterroot. So <laughs> I know I'm already winning there. Yeah. I am picking. So here's the thing. We, we talk a lot about the big two, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of hate online for the big two. And it's, to me, it seems like there's there's creative hate, and then there's just we hate them because they're successful hate, <laughs> you know. And both are justified on different levels and stuff. Mm-hmm. To be fair, the only one of these books I read on a regular basis is Daredevil. Yes. And to be fair, it won best comic two years in a row at our own awards. This is true. How am I how am I going to go against the people? <laughs> so I want Daredevil. No, I I want Daredevil to win. I think Stillwater will win. Really? Ooh. The yeah. reason is there's two Chip Zdarsky books nominated. Uh-huh. They really wanted Zdarsky on this. Mm-hmm. They're not going to give it to Daredevil. Sure. That's that's kind of my logic. If he if two of his books made it there, they're obviously in favor of him right now. We'll like, talk about him more in a bit I, too. I'm reading the <laughs> book and I like it, but it's not but in ten, it's not splashing the water like as much as like any of the other books I could do. Yeah, but again, it it's all goes li- back to it's literally it's like <laughs> it's like the one nomination I'd actually probably change out of this list. Yeah. Well, it all goes back to not who deserves to win. Yeah, yeah. But it's who they want to win. Then at that point they give it give it to Bitterroot again. Um, and that's my backup. I think Bitterroot will win if Stillwater doesn't mm-hmm. because of a reason we're going to talk about in a moment. So let's move on so we don't get uh, hooked to too deep. <laughs> uh, best limited series. Ooh, okay. I have an opinion here. Yeah. Um, Barbalian Red Planet. Yeah. By Jeff Lemire. Uh, Decorum. You read Decorum. Yeah. Far Sector. Uh, Strange Adventures. Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. Or We Live. Far Sector should win this by a fucking mile. Ooh, yeah. Honestly, in in this case, it's contradicted to contradicted to the last point, but I actually give it to Far Sector just because the whole 
premise of the book, the whole point of the book, and like everything about the book and something. Like D- it's as far as all the DC books, this one should probably go to it. And like I read Decorum, but it's still it's probably on this penultimate issue. I'm still waiting on the last issue, and I still don't know what the fuck it's about. So I'd rather not <laughs> give it to that one. Yeah, no, I think I think it should win. I think uh, Sojourner has stolen so many hearts as a yeah. character and has already been like brought into the mainline DC like storyline just because of how great she is in this. Mm-hmm. And it's NK Jemison who does an amazing job. Uh, Jamal does a great job. Like it's just, I read it because Liz reads it. Liz gets it and yeah. then I end up, re- I end up reading it and I really enjoy it. And I love Sojo. So uh, yeah, I'm, I got to go with far sector um, <laughs> as a backup. Um, I would probably say Barbalian. And the no, reason like, for that is because it is Jeff Lemire. Yeah. And because Jeff Lemire is in vogue right now with, uh, with um, Sweet Tooth. Well, being he's a just, TV he's show just now. Been, he's just been building like, yeah, the, the, was the Black Hammer series. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's just been like just nonstop expanding on that one. I, I'd give it to, uh, that, that was my second choice too. Yeah, not that I've even really read it. That's me neither. Yeah, but I think it's the right choice for them to make. You know what I mean? Like to highlight him right now with with Sweet Tooth doing so well and his stuff starting to get a lot of um, momentum. I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, moving on. Best new series. I'm so excited for this one (laughs) because something got nominated that I never thought would have and deserves it 100. percent And that is the first nomination here. Black Widow by Kelly Ooh. Thompson and Elena Casagrande. <laughs> um, the the Eisners do not like Marvel very much. Uh-huh. Uh, so when it does get a nomination, it's usually something you need to take notice of. And I've sung the the I've sung the praises of Black Widow. Yeah. And it's 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 that good. It is that good. People should read it. So also and also nominated. Uh, crossover. I like crossover. I don't think it should win this award. Uh, yeah, only because it's, it's yeah. still a gimmick right now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it's yeah. it's it's not like super engrossing. I'm all like, must know what ha-. like I'm like, oh, this is fun. You know, if, like, if, so. if it had been a better off, more closed off first volume where we just get the initial premise, but it's just it's such a blown up thing that yeah, it's just it's still too gimmicky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, more so. for, if it was on continuing series for this on the second volume, we'll see. Yeah. Um. Department of Truth, Oof. which is, I bet, where your loyalty might lie. Uh, maybe. Philadelphia. Uh, and really, really, is this the one your loyalty is behind? Uh, we only find them when they're dead. Again, going back to what I just said, like a, a great closed first volume. Again, yeah. we didn't really know what, hap- what was happening until like the last issue to really kind of clo- like put the last button on it. And it makes sense of like, the whole thing where we're just so lost in and that sweet epilogue. And then now we know where it's, it's not really like the gimmicky thing where we're talking about crossover. It's like, we're getting a, a much bigger, different story continuing off into the second volume. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm teetering between department of truth for this new series. And we'll, we only find them when they're dead. Cause it, it really was. Wow. And also just Simone DeMeo. God damn. Did you just oh, like, Oh, if it was best art in new series, it would be, <laughs> we only find them when they're dead, but yeah. it's, it's still too existential for me to really have, yeah, yeah. attached to it you know what okay. i mean like like i'm keeping up with it because i want to know what happens but i'm not like oh yes let's do it you know and there's no character that's latched onto me well, i mean you know, that's, that's that the like, point. i think that i think we're just like switching off here like i, I thought we we're yeah. going to be really attached to like 
most of the crew and now it's just yeah. like we're barely at arm's length for what what, what happened you know like with the whole yeah. time skip but yeah well, well plus also you know me i'm the sci-fi guy so yeah i'm picky about my sci-fi true so all right you ready for the hardest competition ever which one best writer Ooh, okay where is it so let's just address the elephant in the room it's six white guys yeah a, a, a lot of lack of women just women on this list yeah um now looking at this list i will say i can understand why these six white guys were the six white guys chosen yeah <laughs> there's no one that i'm like really like i've seen people be like i would have nominated so and so and i want to ask them who would you have taken off like that's yeah. the real that's the real question you know like there are tons of people teeny howard should be on this list to me but you know because you know i love her vd ayala should be oh, on this absolutely. list you know there's a lot of people that should be on this list even kelly thompson like and that and kelly i'm, thompson, I'm not yeah. voting for black widow <laughs> but with that being said i'm looking at this and i'm like well let's see you can't take zarsky off he has two nominations in best series i mean you yeah. know james tinney the fourth puts out some of the best books in comics and also is on two categories Jeff Lemire, we've already just talked about him. Jonathan Hickman? Is, yeah, just, I mean, <laughs> at this point, again, like, <laughs> my argument against the big two, but it's like he really has been making mutants just the best. Yeah. And then on the side, he has decorum. Yeah. Um, Matt Fraction? Maybe Matt Fraction. No, Adventure Man. Adventure Man's great. It was Adventure Man um, November. I like, had like the And he did run. the Jimmy Olsen book. Yeah, and then and then sex criminals and sex criminals. Yeah, was still going on last week. Yeah, yep. okay, yep. So again, the one I'd probably take off is Brubaker. He had similar OGN, like, like multiple OGNs that were just like big splashes. Like it's Pope, Reckless, and Friday. None of which I read. Or a, I would uh, take him off because I didn't read cool any of those. Too. Oh, oh, that's the three they have listed. So, um, but yeah, that's. I mean, I never read any of them, so I can't defend it. That'd be the one True. if I wanted to take somebody out, I would probably do that. For your personal pick, yeah. But I mean it's it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, so best writer slash artist, so they do both. Uh this is a lot of uh indie names that I'm not super familiar with, although I know everybody knows Junji Ito. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh Pascal Jocelyn, Jocelyn, who does Mr. Invincible Local Hero, uh Trung Lee Nguyen, the Magic Fish. Uh, Craig Thompson, Ginseng Roots, Adrian Tomin, The Loneliness of a Long Distance Cartoonist, and The One Who Should Win, Gene Luin Yang for Dragon Hoops. Ooh. Yeah. So I love Gene Luin Yang. So. Yeah. By the way, with Junji. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, best pencil slash inker or team. Oh, man. Uh, Michael Allred. Marco Cicchetto, goddamn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be hard to get past that one. George Corona for uh, Middle West. Bertrand Gattegandol for Pistovi. Mitch Gerards slash Evan Doc Shaner for Strange Adventures. And Sam Vergeer for Bitterroot. I mean, yeah. Bitterroot looks amazing, but Marco Cicchetto's Hell, like, Hell's Kitchen has been my favorite. Favorite house kitchen in probably ever or in the longest of times. So you just his, breathe life, breathe life into just his kitchen. Electra. Yeah, just or his Electra's that, that, worth of Like just the hair and everything. I'm like fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's my favorite thing in comics visually. So yeah, I gotta go with Chichetto, man. In this case, yeah, it's going to Chichetto for me too. 
All right, so we're gonna we're, like I said, we're only gonna go to the major ones. Now we're ready for the first snub <laughs> that we noticed. Um, best cover artist: Jamal Campbell, uh, who did the Far Sector covers. They're great. Mm-hmm. Simone DeMeo. We only find them when they're dead. <laughs> yeah, you can't argue that. Uh, Mike Huddleston for Decorum. Okay, the covers are dope. <laughs> Dave Johnson, Butcher of Paris. Peach Momoko. Fight me Ooh. if you think she should not be on this list, by the way. Oh, no, absolutely. As far as <laughs> and Ramon K. Perez for Stillwater. So my question to you. Yeah. Where is Stephanie Hans? True. Yeah. Where <laughs> is Stephanie Hans? Like, that's that's the thing. Her covers. That's what she's known for. And they're incredible. And Maybe it's because I don't know um, Butcher of Paris, but that would Maybe be like either. my one, like, sub it in for. Yeah, for Stephanie Hans. Other I put her that, over Decorum. I've seen Decorum's covers. They're great. Oh, yeah. No, that's yeah, Mike, Mike Huddleston like deserves to be on here. Like those decorum covers, I'm talking shit about not making sense of the book or not knowing what it's going, but those covers are awesome. Yeah. Um, no, Jamal Campbell, every time I look at those Power Ranger books, I want to pick them up too. Just, I want to read them just based mm-hmm. on just the first cover, the first thing I'm looking at. And Simone DeMeo, fuck, yeah. I don't know. Just some of those variants are just absolutely stunning. Yeah. Which takes us to our next snub, which is a personal thing for me and that's why. <laughs> Best coloring. I want to point out there's only five nominees instead of six in this category for some reason. Uh, Laura Allred. Huh? I see six. And best coloring? Yeah. I have five. Wait, go through the list. I'll tell you which one. Okay. Laura Allred. Jean-Francois Batelou. Mm -hmm. Marte Garcia. Or Gracia, sorry. um, Dave Stewart. And Matt Wilson. I see a Gippy one story. uh, Fantagraphics. Oh, wait. On my on my thing, they included that as a title for John Francois Bolu. It's oh, okay. not separated out. Okay. Um. So, I mean, elephant in the room. Yeah, we're Tamara. <laughs> we're Tamara Bond villain. <laughs> like I told you, it has to be contra- contractual. Where it has to be on a novel, or else they, they would just take it every year. Offensive. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Uh, in this in this oh, list, uh, Stewart. Um. Marte Gracia, the color of Empire was great. The color of X of Swords was great. Oh, yeah. But I also have a weakness for Matt Wilson because he does Thor and he did Undiscovered Country. Oh, wait, there's no, there's not a bad choice in this No, you list. know what? You know, you're right. Like, I didn't think consider. I was thinking about um, just Nick Klein, but no, the colors in Thor do are awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, there's not a bad choice in this list, guys. No. That's basically what we're saying. So, um, lettering. Mike Allred, Aditya Bidikar, Clayton Cowles, Stan Sakai, and Russ Wooten. I, also I have, have five on this one, too. Uh, Darren Bennett. Why did they cut these off? It's so stupid. Yep, there it is. They just cut it off. I see it now. Oh, and Darren Bennett, thank you. I'm going off of comicbook.com so you guys can blame them. Um, <laughs> I am going to go with... They have such great lists, too. I'm going to go with Aditya Bidikar. You know what? I'm saying the same thing. Aditya Bidikar with uh, Darren Bennett on a cl- close second. Aditya B- with D- Darren Bennett doing, yeah, someone's killing the children. We'll only find them when they're dead. Far Sector. Uh, yeah, so many great books, too. Oh, Resident, no. Vampire the Masquerade. Oh, yeah. Darren Bennett did Vampire. That's what I just realized. Okay, I'll say this. It should be Aditya or Darren Bennett. 
Yeah, those are my two picks for solid for sure. Because Vault will actually win something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're right. Never mind. (laughs) Because Aditya does picture of everything else in Giga. That was kind of why I chose Aditya. Because I was like, the the lettering in a picture of everything else is so awesome. Like, I love it. Yeah, but then, uh, yeah, Darren also has, shit, no, he has more Vault books. Relics of Youth, Resonant, Shadow Service, and Vampire. Yep. And then Winter Seed. Oh, no, Vampire the Masquerade, Winter Seed. Holy shit. Yeah, no, both of them. Yeah, so um da, 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 we're gonna skip uh, a lot of these uh one thing i will point out is wind wasn't nominated for early readers or kids or teens I know, I was which is really... bullshit and then it's like oh it's my category by ages oh i get it and then i keep going to the next one Me no too. oh i guess it's just a little too much for these kids too where yeah. the fuck is wind <laughs> um I think that's all the ones that we need to go over because there's a yeah. lot. There's a lot of these. Uh, best and, single issue out of all of them, the ones I at least like they highlighted. Um, I did read Hedra. I did pick up Hedra. It's like a giant magazine size issue from Image. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually really, really cool. So kudos to that one. That, that is my choice for that one. Nice. All right. So, of course, just like last year, I will probably be live tweeting the Eisners when they happen. Nice. Because I love doing that. Now. The other news story, and I promise you we won't take too long on this one, but but we should. Anyone who's ever, ever listened to the show from the beginning, <laughs> back when we were one happy family before there was a horrible <laughs> divorce, knows that there is one thing that me- caused me and somebody I do not get along with anymore to actually get along, <laughs> and that was a little book called Fables. Yes. Um, Fables. Okay, you guys know my origin in comics. Mm-hmm. But what brought me back to comics was Fables and Why the Last Man. Oh, nice. That's what made me be like, I need to get back into comics. And so Fables holds a really important part of my life. Um, I did meet Bill Willingham uh, at Comic-Con one year. He was the nicest dude in the world. Um, I met uh, a couple people involved, a couple, a couple of the artists. And like, I have the... Um, 1001 Arabian Nights uh, hardback nice. for the Fables crossover. And each story is by a different artist. And my goal is still to get every story signed by the artist that That'd did be that so story. so sick, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So still doing that to this day. But Fables ended at 150. And yes. fun fact, I never finished it. Really? Because I didn't want it to end. Oh and as long as I God. haven't finished it, it's not done. Oh my God, that's how I was I, with the uh, Black Science. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, no, it's still it's still good. There's still stories out there. And it, it wasn't until like two, no, at this point, three years ago, um, Things from Another World had a stupid, dumbass sale where every, certain stuff was 60% off. And their, the hardcovers for the volumes mm-hmm. for Fables were tagged. I was like, and it was like eight of them. It's like, that's half of the series. They're mine. And. Then I was like, I was just making, I vowed to at least like collect them, but at least in sales because I didn't want to pay that much for those giant books anyway. And that's, it wasn't until I finished collecting them that I finally read them through. And it's like, and then shortly after that, we started podcasting. So thank God I had someone to talk to about it too. With, uh, <laughs> Cause yeah, by the end of it, it's like, it just leaves a giant hole of like where comics should be. And it's, it's such a great series. So if you ever get around to it and finishing it, let me know. So we, we can just like, just start it from the beginning and read them. I don't want to. <laughs> so, um, so we're going to get two new series out of Fables is why we're talking. Yes. Uh, the first one is a Batman slash Bigby Wolf crossover, which <laughs> sure. I didn't know I wanted. <laughs> yeah. Now I do. Um, where they're going to be detectives in Gotham, which is cool. 
The second is literally Fables taking off where it left off at 151. Fuck. It's intended to be a 12-issue mini, though. Uh-huh. So I have to catch up. Yeah, you're going to have to. So let's but make yeah. a giant dope-ass episode about it. Yeah. Um, hey, maybe that'll be a good comic book club episode. Ooh, hint, hint. Yeah, I did a whole journey about it. Yes. Wait, it's the, only, the only difficulty is getting everybody a copy of it all. True. So, um, but he not only will Bill William be coming back, but Mark Buckingham is back as well. Oh, my God. Yes. I met him. I actually have a sketch from him signed. Oh, nice. It's of the um, the the rabbit from the Alice in Wonderland, the okay. you know, with the the pole and shit. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the same really one cool. is expected to come out. Uh, May twenty twenty two is when Ooh. the Fables one fifty one will launch. Less than um, a year. Yes. Uh, the other one, the Batman Bigby one, which is going to be put out by uh, Black Label, by the way. Nice. Cool. Uh, is going to be September. That's cool. I like how, like, because so, both of them have, like, their own, like, Tall Tale games, and now they're yeah. kind of crossing over in comics again. Cool. I really hope that they, um, maybe this gets us a Fables TV adaptation like we were supposed to get before oh Once Upon a Time Stole Their Glory. Yeah, please. Which was and then, bullshit, so. Yeah. And, like, an actual faithful adaptation of this is not hard. It'll be, like, the easiest thing. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it's more likely now. With, oh, yeah. um, with the way Netflix is and Amazon are buying all these crazy properties and making shit with them, like Carnival Row and stuff, yeah, I think it's more likely. So oh, the last thing I want to say about this news is, um, I didn't think I didn't think it ever was going to happen. It was ever going to happen, at least like not as soon. At least not what six years after the series ended. I thought, the, I thought it would be like the one vertical title that wasn't going to jump onto uh, Black Label because Sandman did uh, mm. is kind of going on going on right now, sort of. But now we got Fables, so it's like, fuck it. I can't, I can't complain because it's one of the best series of all time. <laughs> and it's like it really it's the, actual, the actual creator, so fuck yeah. I can't yeah. cannot complain. I'm so happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> let's talk about some comics, guys. Uh, so we're going to launch straight in to talk about every book that we picked up this week. The week of 6, 9, nice, 21. You nice. <laughs> Six eight for Disney or DC. Boo DC. <laughs> Shame. <laughs> so, but uh we start, and any of you should know this by now, not with a bang, but a boom. boom. Boom Studios. And we have several books. Unlike last week where we had one boom book, we now have several. And me and Sorry actually share all four of these books. Oh yeah. Which is a good sign of the, for these books, by the way. If you mm. manage to capture both of our attention, that's always a good sign. So. Yes. First one, Eve, number two. Written by Victor, Victor Laval. Illustrated by Joe Myung Young. Uh, colored by Brittany Peer. And letter by Anne World. So we get the continuing story of this young girl who is destined to try to save the world from climate change after it's already been basically destroyed by climate change. And uh, last issue, we found her waking up from a basically a a simulation where she's been trained to do everything she needs to do. And her life has been basically a whole lie. Yeah. And we found out her father is basically in deep space or uh, in an or in orbit of the planet. And she needs to do something herself there. Why does it have to be her? What is it? Why can't they do it? Why does it have to be a little girl? Why do you have to send his daughter? We don't know any of this yet. Um, So. We also find out a bit more about what happened to the world. Oh, we find out about a mysterious disease that basically ravaged humanity, which was really interesting. 
Um, we get to find out more about her robot teddy bear. Like there, this was a real big building issue of telling you, like answering a lot of the questions from issue one while leaving some out there to keep you still interested in the story. I thought it was really well done. If not the most, you know, eventful oh, yeah. uh, issue, but I think it really hooked you in from the first one. Did a really good job of that. So what'd you think? No, I did a good job of just um, raising the right questions as far as like for, for this particular story. Like we already know, like, the clock is already against her. I thought she was going to have like, oh, she's got all the time in the world to try to fix the world, you know? But mm. the people in space are already being like, we're, we're just not sure if we're going to be alive by the time she gets there. Like whatever that, whatever that bridge is when we get to it. But then we know that there's another thing about the atmosphere that's already against her. And it's kind of like, oh, are you fucking serious? Like, you're not going to make me already just <laughs> care that much more about this little, about this little girl. That's not fair. Um, I kept thinking that, it just looked like the vault logo, her shirt just with the fish <laughs> on it. You've seen yeah. it with a little splash on it. I could just, I just kept thinking about it. But it was, and I was like, Oh no, it's, it's a boom. <laughs> what cover uh, did you get by the way? Sorry. Oh, uh, cover a, I got the Dan Mora cover. Oh, nice. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, but, but no, the, the world, the, the world was really good. And then like, it's a nice, it's a nice clip of like, from what we just, what I, what I, what I was just alluding to of like the, the next part being something against her. And then, the cliffhanger we get is kind of like, oh, well, shit, like, we'll see how we can prevail here, because it's just, I do like this book a lot, too. Yeah, me too. It's really fun. Um, and it would be a good book for kids. I mean, so yeah. far, it's been safe for kids. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, not too young, but, you know. All right, let's move on to our next book, one of our podcast favorites, which is Win Number yes. 7, written by James Taney in the fourth, illustrated by Michael Dialinus, Dial- and letter by Ann World. Uh, so first of all, Josue, did you get the cover A? Yes. I got the cover eight, but I also got. Oh, <laughs> uh, so wait, yeah. what? It's Oakley. Wait, what? It's Oakley. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it was wind. I thought, I was like, what book's that? I want to get that one. <laughs> so, um, it's kind of black. It's a tarot book, or it's a tarot cover. So, and it's by uh, Ryan Gonzalez. So, yeah. Uh, so, I um I obviously love this book. I mean, it's one of our favorites. I think you mentioned in your tweet about it, but I was also noticing how thick these books are. We love how yes. big wind is. It's so much in- involved in it. So, and I really like how they managed to take our group of heroes. They give them salvation, and then take it away. But at the same time, they change our group of heroes. They add some more people, you know, and things like that. So there's still a lot of drama. There's still a lot of danger without being, you know, surrounded by soldiers and stuff like that to protect them. But also managing to change the cast really well. Mm-hmm. And I think the new cast members add a really cool dynamic. Oh, yeah. So also we get more about the uh, the two gentlemen, <laughs> yes. the two father figures, if you will, and their journey to find the kids. So. I really, I dig it. I really, really love this book. Um, once again, very disappointed it wasn't nominated for a Young Reader Award anything, with the Eisner. Yeah. It was is unfortunate. So, yeah. What'd you think? Uh, I, I, for a second, I thought we were like three issues in into this arc, but I was like, no, this is a second one. The first issue, the first volume ended on five, so it's six, seven. But it's because of these like heavy books, like so much stuff. So much stuff is actually able to happen. And that's what I really liked about this, like. And then, or thinking back on the last issue too, where it's just like, there's a lot of a lot of stuff moving along in the story, and at no point does it feel like at no point does the book feel wasted. It's just like 
it's just like by the time we get to the end, you're just like, oh, like I thought there was going to be more, you know, it's like, yo, I always want more from this book. And it's like, again, yeah, kind of a travesty that I wasn't nominated for literally anything. Yeah. If there was one book that was snubbed, it was probably this one. As far as book-wise, not so much yeah. creators, this one for sure. Because the categories that qualified for it should have yes. easily been not acknowledged, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, best continuing series, that's every comic Check. book out there. Yeah. You know, like, so it's easy to get snubbed there, but it's the best all-ages book on out there. Yes, one sure. of them. Well, probably, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of another one, but yeah. Next up, Magic, Ooh, The cool. Gathering, number three. I got that. That's a cool cover, Walker yeah. variant. Yeah, it's pretty dope. What uh, what cover do you get? Just A. A. Gotcha. I'll never feel bad about cover A because it's just Mateo Scalera, so it's like fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this one's Jacob Rebelka. So, um, okay, written by Jed McKay, illustrated by Iguara, colored by Arena Consoni, and letter by Ed Dukeshire. Um, so we got this continuing adventure, and the three planeswalkers slash guildmasters are working together. Uh, they're d- deep in the depths of Ravnica, adventuring around. Um, I really like the the bit with uh, God, I forgot her name. The 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 Medusa chick, uh, the Vesca? serpent chick. Yeah, yeah. The stuff with her and Jace. Yes, and oh, it's man. like oh, the yeah. like, what do you see in him? She's like, I can kill people to look, and I have to do so. But he's never been afraid to meet my eyes. Not he once. Looked, I'm like, oh. he looks back at me. It's like, oh man, that's all it takes. I'm Medusa. <laughs> that's really sweet. Like, oh. Um, but yeah, we, we get a, a journey through the underworld, like I said, and then I know Josue had something to say about the, uh, about the house Demir, which is our ultimate goal. So I told y'all, <laughs> <laughs> I fucking told y'all we ain't that bad. We're, I mean, we're assholes, but we ain't that bad. Now look at this. Look at these ruins. <laughs> That's the house of Demir people. We didn't do anything. <laughs> No, that was a yeah. good. That was a good little like psych out. Even though we kind of knew who the villain was, but now I'm like, oh man, now we don't even got a place. Like now I'm wondering where uh, Lazav is, the the actual or my my commander. They got running. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah. Really interesting. I, yeah, I'm enjoying fun. it though. Um, no, I, I like this issue where it kind of showed, oh, except for Vaya, um, but they just kind of, they almost just like alluded to what she can do. They almost kind of wanted to egg her on to see if she would do it. But you actually got to see like the they got to our three play, main players. Uh, got to showcase their power, you know. Like it's it pretty cool to watch that watch that part. Mm. Nice, yeah, I, I like it. It's such a great um, reintroduction to magic lore for me. I'm really, yeah. I and I know the goal is to sell sell cards, <laughs> and it's working. It <laughs> That's is. What I'll say. I, I definitely want. I'm like, I could get some cards, and I'm like, you don't know anybody here who plays. <laughs> like, <laughs> you would just sit on those cards. You know what I mean? So. Just wait for me. <laughs> I'll be there with my next. Yeah, we'll just set up webcams and play. <laughs> so, all right. Um, last boom book, Proctor Valley Road number four. Yes. Uh, I got this cover. Oh, yeah, it's, same. I think it's the A, and a. it's so dr- so much dread. It's just amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Such a great cover. Written by Alex Child and Grant Morrison. Illustrated by Naomi Franquise. Colored by Tamborbone Villain. Lettered by Jim Campbell. So... The curse of the landlady starts catching up with the girls in different ways. For instance, they see their reflection and they look all rotted and like zombies. And uh, one of them tries to drink some milk and it's like, tastes like it's spoiled. And basically they're slowly being psychologically tortured. Also meanwhile, the entire going around town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, the town thinks they all, they killed the boys. So they're like, well, we're going to prove that we didn't. The cool thing is they start finding out that other people 
have seen the land landlady. It's just no one's listened to them either. Mm-hmm. So that's got to be nice for them to know they're not crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, so. kind of comforting. Yeah, uh, which is great. And then they get like a spirit board to talk to the dead, but they have to trade Cora's uh, quote Converse Chuck Taylors. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I love Chucks. They're great. And I love that bit, like, one page later, what do you want for her birthday next week? Uh, some Chuck Taylors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, you fucks. <laughs> so, um, and then, yeah, it's just, they just slowly get tortured and everything. Also, uh, this, this page. Yeah. Is just right. horror. Horror personified. With the old butcher dude coming out of the fucking thing. The gramophone. And the way his face looks like, like, it's just absolutely <laughs> horrifying. Uh, so yeah, basically, you find out there's way more to the the horror and the uh, haunting of this all than we thought. Then they're caught in a building that's burning down, and they get saved. Now, I didn't go back and check. Did is this guy appeared in the series before? God, honestly, I, I can't remember. I can't remember. Yeah, maybe it's a new character. That's cool. But um, he appears to be a, a young native man who does stunts on his motorcycle because he's a badass, and he saves them and. Uh, yeah, he saves them and then they go talk to his grandmother and she gives them like some more advice of being like, yeah, don't fuck with the landlady. They're like, yeah, what if it's too late for that? <laughs> and then in the middle of all this, they have a massive falling out <sighs> because, of course, two of them like the same guy and then all the other problems they have start bubbling to the surface and it gets really sad and all the friends leave and Cora's left alone and it's really the worst possible time for them to break up because they're all being haunted (laughs) so i really like this book a lot it's so much fun oh absolutely yeah even even like the the the, the haunting scene with like the butcher and the ghost coming out and like the whole the whole time he's just like doing his whole like monologue and like and by the end he's basically just it ends up with him reenacting his last moments like the way like the roller turns it turns into like the shotgun and you turn the page and it's just like you basically visualize the splatter, like what just happened. It's like, it's, it's really fucked up. But again, it's almost like borderline a YA book. And it's like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a fun one. Yeah, definitely. Always worth a pickup. Proctor Valley road. Yes. Especially if you like horror, that's not too much. Yeah. You know? And if you've, if you've been enjoying, um, Oh my God, my mind went blank. Uh, Specter inspectors. Oh yeah. They're very, they're very similar to each other mm-hmm. and they're be very good companions more. to each other. What were you saying? Oh, I was saying uh, Proctor Valley Road just like just pushes it a little bit more than, mm-hmm. than Inspector Inspector. Yeah. Um, next up, we're going to switch publishers and we're going to talk about Black Mask Studios. Uh, we have one book for Black Mask this week, and that is Alice in Leatherland. Yes. Number three. Okay. So, created by Yolanda Zanfardino, as well as written by her, and drawn by Elisa Romboli, also created by her as well. Um, so it's Valentine's day (laughs) and Alice, we know Alice is like the, the most romantic love is magical. Everything's a fairy tale person. So obviously this would be a day that she really loves. And she comes out of her room. She's like, happy Valentine's day. And I want to say, first of all, I really like the fact that they didn't spend issue upon issue having her acclimate to this new reality of her roommates being, you know, like having, having a sub and all this stuff. Like it literally was done off screen and it's fine. Like, cause that would have gotten really tedious and might've caused me to dislike her a bit. She's like, I don't understand your sexual, you know, thing. Like, no, they just got over it and told us the story. So I love that. I absolutely love that. 
Um, I love that the sub says good morning to her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's just great. For a second, I was expecting a punishment because he was speaking out of turn. <laughs> Spoke out of turn. Yeah, exactly. And I love that they everybody in the house adores her. Like, it's almost like she's their, their pet. Almost, and they're yeah. just so happy when she walks in. They're like, it's Alice! <laughs> well, like, the second panel, she actually looks just that much smaller. Like an actual, like, house pet. Yeah. She actually reminds me of one of my best friends, um, who is a lesbian, actually, and acts a lot like her in a way, oh. and is short like her, is kind of shaped like her, yeah, um, and is adorable, and I would die for that girl. <laughs> like, we've had some really hard fights with each other, but I would also kill any person I know for hers. <laughs> she, she inspires loyalty like that, oh. so. Um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, we we um we basically get some more development, and Alice has a very important presentation at work today, where she's got to present a sex toy, and she does, and she does such a good job until she says it's a perfect gift for Valentine's Day because that's that is a celebration of love, and this one is definitely a product full of love, you know, <laughs> the kind of product you could never betray. How could you cheat on something that's so full of love? And then she starts crying. <laughs> I love it. Like, it's just funny because, I mean, there are some people that are just going to be sentimental about love all the time. You know, yeah. it's just who they are. And that's who she is. And, you know, it, I like that she's not changing. You know, she's still herself. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. really like that. But then her boss is just like, all right, we're going to take some sexy photos of you. And damn right, they did. They took some sexy photos <laughs> yes. of her. And set up a dating profile for her. And yeah, basically, uh, oh, also we get one of her roommates provides the uh, tutorial on how to avoid creepy dates on the apps. And it's it's a lot. But it's, all of them are true for the record. All record's. of them are so fucking true, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, my personal favorite was mysterious types like, I don't open up easily and you have to discover me slowly. Fuck that. This isn't homework. I was cracking up at the, at the super fucking basic one. Indiana Jones statements such as seeking new adventures. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then who does she find? But her Robin. artist friend looking sexy as fuck. Yeah. And then, and her quote is, "You can choose your father, but you you can't choose your father, but you can choose your daddy." Which yes. I was just like <laughs> very on point. So basically, she's just trying to find a relationship. Uh, she goes on a date that's disastrous. We don't really want to tell you why because you should read it yourself. It's hilarious. She goes on another date. Basically, in the end, she discovers that maybe the best love sometimes is self love. And. Yeah, has a good good Valentine's Day. That's <laughs> what I presume. So, uh, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then we're slowly seeing the overall arc coming together. Um, obviously, I ship the fuck out of these two. So, yeah. What are you <laughs> thinking, Josue? Um, I just it it was it was pretty much like the next part where we kind of like just glanced over to for the end. It's uh, when she finds uh when she finds Robin's a uh, uh, dating profile. At that point, it's, it's when the book really started to lose me. Like her sending the that's the, the super passive aggressive message for literally no reason um is when the book really started to lose me and then yeah the dates were kind of a problem like honestly like that first date it was just like she just comes off very oh gosh it's, it's very insulting but it's very, it's very fucked up but in this case alice just comes off very prudish in this case, I, I in in the first date, I get that the per, it wasn't it was never gonna match up. Like that that fitness girl was not for her. Yeah. But when the the big reveal and like the whole ta da to just run out like that, like it just 
again, we are, we had just established that she's been at the at her work for months, and she's still basically uncomfortable with like the whole thing. It could have been a, an icebreaker, like, "Hey, I work in in this situ- in this environment, and it's not really my thing." It could have just been a conversational yeah. piece, but no, she literally just dips out. And then the next girl isn't isn't all that better either. Like the like, oh no, no, don't get me wrong. Hold on. Before we get to the next girl, then she decides to go into her fucking like uh because she's a writer and she's and she writes the most bullshit story where she basically lies about the whole thing. That's literally yeah. not how it went down at all. Like it's her <laughs> self-reflection of how it went on down though. Yeah, and it was just complete bullshit the way she put it. Like she was just like painting herself as a victim when she was just like the other person was trying to be understanding from the get-go. And then well, she's you, a, she's a flawed narrator. She's not perfect. I mean, that's the whole point. Like, if she, you know, if, yeah. if she was telling the story exactly how it happened, there'd be no need for her to tell the story because yeah, we told the story. You know what I mean? Like, but then she does it again with the next girl, and then even then, like the next girl, just because the then the next girl wasn't up to her standards, she literally decides to leave like in the middle of it. It's like that's more. It's one of the most insulting things ever. I only feel bad for her, and then insult, decides to insult her more by being like, "Hey, don't worry, I, I have a girl you think you're gonna you're gonna love." Which, like, first of all, you don't even know this girl to even like want to set her up on a blind date that you didn't even like. That's kind of yeah. fucked up. So, I, th- yeah. I honestly, I just did not like Alice like in in this issue. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think she is flawed. I think she's gonna get a. She's gonna come to grips with her responsibility and things. Yeah, like, let, let's like, just say we don't know why her and her girlfriend broke up. We don't know why her girlfriend dumped her or cheated on her. Right. And, what and, did, and what then, happened to their relationship? You know, like so. Yeah. I think that's gonna oh, be something I, I we're gonna I know just kind of like kind of messed up and like from, from that situation too. But then now in this case, we're kind of treating Robin as like not even as like the B story, but she just had like her own C story by just being confused on like, hey, why is this person? treating me like a girlfriend when i'm not and then i'm just getting this reaction when it's just like completely uncalled for and it was just like oh my god because to her everything is romance and everything's meant to be and when it doesn't work out that's frustrating to her so i can understand where she's coming from and i understand where you're coming from too obviously Mm -hmm. but but yeah i think being in a relationship with somebody like that is a challenge on its own yeah and i think that's the direction we're going with the story is that she she probably even might think herself above these other people who are just about wanton sex. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, you know, what she wants is kind of childish to them. You know what I mean? So I think it's about different perspectives and I think it's going to revolve around her learning a lot about the real world, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think the ultimate relationship that work for her is one that meets in the middle. You know what I mean? So I that's think that's where we're going with it. Yeah. And they can't make her too perfect. True. Because she's already adorable. <laughs> yeah. So there has to be something wrong with her. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I just, I just, she was like, yo, you're just fucking bouncing like that. Like I got someone such I was like, maybe I shouldn't have just like binged all of Sunstone in one, in one, almost in one sitting. Cause that's like, like the high pedestal of like a sex positive book. <laughs> nice. All right. We're going to go ahead and move on. Uh, but first, uh, Josue. Oh yeah. I'm weak. What's up? I'm fully caught up in Destiny New York. <laughs> All of it. Oh my All god. It. It's <laughs> oh, incredible. Oh shit. It gets so fucking good. Oh man, it I can only imagine. my mind. <laughs> at one point at, at one point each issue is a different season of the year. Oh, well that's cool. It's done in such a great way. Oh my god, I love it. It's so good. <laughs> and the, the it, you meet new characters. There's things I'm going to tell you off off, off camera at some mm-hmm. point. Because I don't want to spoil our viewers, but it's just great. So, all right, but we're going to move on to Aftershock. Hostway, 
Tell us about the brand new number one bunny mask. Bunny mask number one by Paul Tobin as a writer, Andrea Moody as an artist and colorist, and uh, Taylor Spazito as the lettering. Check out the info page. Hella red. Blood red. Good shit. And rightfully so. It has one of the most like brutal openings. Like where I just I have to like close it back up because it's one of the one of those like gore things where it, it even gets me because I, I don't even want to fuck with that. Um, it's a dad who's gonna do, I guess, a dental operation on his daughter, and he does just literally cracks the front teeth, like puts one of like just like oh god okay yeah okay let me do, let me just tell you this right now before you continue. Uh-huh. I have a tooth thing. Ooh, so yeah. don't hold up any photos of cracked teeth or anything for the rest of this review because it'll freak me the fuck <laughs> okay. out. Okay, it, it, it's not even like a like the theme for like the rest of it. Okay, either. just I'm just throwing that out there because no, that just made me fucking openly shudder. I was like, ah, <laughs> I saw it because <laughs> it, it even got me too, dude. I, like I, I'm reading, it's like, oh shit, all right, it's kind of fucked up. Wait, no, and then crack is like, mm, mm, mm. okay, and then all right, let's see what this is about. And yeah, crazy fucking lunatic does this to his daughter. Next page. Two detectives or two child protective services uh, people are on their way to this house, and they're just going back and forth. It's like, yeah, I guess like the little girl hasn't shown up for school in a couple of weeks, um, and now pretty much they're just following through with, I guess, an investigation because like, what the fuck? And the dad opens the door and he's like, yeah, it's like, oh, Leo Foster, this is so and so, so and so. Would it be possible if we could? And just immediately stabs the uh, the the lady, the child protective lady, and like, what the fuck? And goes after the next guy. And next thing the guy knows, he wakes up in a cave. And the, I guess we'll just call him dad. And the dad just pretty much says, like, hey, you're pretty much work for me. Your job is to just keep digging. Like, here's a pickaxe. Just keep going through this tunnel until you reach the end. Uh, he's, he's just, he's obviously crazy. He's looking for something. But at the very least, the this guy is not going to be alone. Because he's also making his fucking daughter, like work, like, work at it, too. So they start building a relationship. And dad kind of sees this happening and then after a day uh the next day and one of the days the d- little girl doesn't show up and now the guy's kind of like yo hey where's the little girl he's not gonna get answers uh so he just keeps digging he literally keeps digging for like a whole month like he, he kind of keeps logging like the days by day 31 he finally cracks a hole onto the other side of a wall and he finds a giant room a giant room with a bunch of cool carvings or just some carvings also a bunny for some reason there's a title, bunny mask. But anyway, <laughs> as soon as he's trying to like piece together what these carvings are, kaboom! Uh, he gets shot by the dad, and the dad's like, "Oh shit, you found it! That's awesome! Thanks!" And uh, now I'm gonna have to pretty much to kill you. So, but thanks for doing all the work. And then we get the actual bunny mask. Like she just emerged, or this person just emerges from the shadows, and they just keep asking, um, "Is there sickness?" Like over and over, or when, like when someone replies, and like the the, the first guy's like, "Oh, what the fuck?" I'm like the fuck is this now? The dad is like, just also just confused. And like, is there sickness? And the guy's like, "The hell, there is sickness." Like, there's this sick fuck, and he's like, and she goes, "Heal the sickness," and just goes after the dad, and just disappears back into the shadow. But before doing so, <laughs> she creepily comes back up from the from the shadows and just like licks his uh his uh, gunshot wound. Oh. <laughs> his gunshot wound and um he just pretty much uh passes out and he comes back to um to medics and the, and the sheriff uh, they basically found the whole thing and we cut to today it just is a whole, a whole time a time skip to today 
to today being that the, these whole events, the whole first half of the book was 14 years ago. Um, and the guy, the guy that escaped ends up picking one of his friends from like a, a shitty date. And on the way home, he literally just slams on the brakes, gets out of the car. Cause he starts seeing all of like the actual like bunny person. Cause mm-hmm. be- before they took him away in the, in the, in the ambulance, they were like, Oh, and look for the, there was another person, the person with the, with like a bunny mask, but they couldn't find this person. So he finally sees this thing 14 years later as paintings and he's going through the, exhi- through, through the exhibit and he's like, Oh shit. Like what the fuck? Who's the artist? And the artist, <laughs> the artist kind of pops up like uh, behind him and is like, Oh, are you a fan? And they just look at each other. It's like, Oh shit, it's you. It's you. And it's the little girl. So it's like, oh shit! I guess she actually she did make it out in her own way. They, I guess, like they want they they need they need obviously they need to catch up. So they set up like not a date, but like they're just gonna meet up later. Like an, uh, like we'll just say tomorrow by the next issue, basically. So cool, like that's cool. We come back to the foster house, so to which has just been abandoned after all after like fourteen years later. The sheriff just like just had that hunch to just go and check in because like just something never really felt right. Um, and as they're investigating, they fall through the fucking uh, stairs. And they find the the cave because one of the, one of the last things also did is like it's like yeah there's a lady and in the cave but nobody could ever find said caves like at least like where they were um, and so now he was like oh shit like they were right they were caves <laughs> and then what's weird about it is that I guess I guess I will show you some teeth but there's these caves and they yeah. find these room with a bunch of like weird moths in them um and like. And so, and the cliffhanger is like they find they find some bodies because that's where the dad was disposing some of the bodies. One of them being B. Foster, the actual little girl. So we'll see we'll see who the imposter really is by the next issue. I was actually like pretty creeped out by this issue. I was actually I, I really like this one. So yeah, good good shit for this one. Good stuff. Good nice. stuff. Uh, Aftershock. Nice. All right, let's switch it up to image. Yes. Not a lot of indies this week, guys. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we're going to pay for it next week. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're going to start with Image Comics. I have a solo book. Mm-hmm. And that is The Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, number one. Oh, my God. Can I now, just say something before you go into this book? Sure. I just I had a story about this book. Is it about uh, this cover? It is about that cover. It is definitely <laughs> Which is about the Pride that. cover, for the record. It is, a, it is about the Pride cover. Okay. When I go get my comics on every Wednesday... First store I hit up is always, first and foremost, Books of Pictures. Shout out to Books of Pictures. I love you guys, always. Um, and, and and recently, they recently ha- uh, they got a new hire. And because of it, Nick, fabulous Nick, couldn't, like, he wasn't the one to do inventory for all these new comics. So he wasn't the one to just kind of put stuff in, in people's boxes that he knows people would like. And in the process, getting the variants, he, he would have uh, uh, bought, or at least like put one aside for himself. Yeah. One of them, being, or, or something he knows you would like, or something I, that he know I would like, which has happened a lot of times. Thank you, Nick. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, it was he wanted this cover or this variant, and it wasn't until like the two people before me in line got that cover, and he rushed to the back while I was still looking for mine, um, and he was trying to find an extra one, and they had literally taken the last one. So I was like, oh, I feel bad for him. That sucks. Didn't get to have it. So I go to the next door. In this case, I won't say which one. Um, and in the process, I'm, I'm, I'm getting the, the the remainder one, swapping out the variants I don't want. And, and I'm waiting for the last section where the new issues are, because there's a dad and a son going through finding comics. It was like, you know, like, let them take their time, because wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> until, the, oh, until the fucking dad literally goes, oh, I'm just going to, because 
I don't like that. And like literally covers the fucking pride variant. He literally just goes, I'm just going to, because I don't like that. And just covers it. And I'm fucking <laughs> fuming, dude. I'm fucking pissed all over again right now. And if it wasn't for the owner already dealing with her shit in the front and like pretty much like the customers not not knowing how to handle the fucking car thing, I would have fucking made a scene right, like, right then and there. And, but, oh, my God, dude. Like, I was just so fucking pissed. I immediately just like, I got that variant for Nick. And, and then I got the other one to put it back in the front because like, Oh God, I was just so fucking pissed at, at that. And I went back and gave it to Nick and he was, and it just made it so much better. And then we had a, uh, and then I got to hug it out with Nick and it was nice. <laughs> nice. So yeah, so now you can tell me what this book is about. Okay. So, uh, basically there's a guy named Trigger Keaton and he's like the world's biggest action star or he's the world's most unlikable action star. Okay. You put and he is found dead. He hung himself. And the primary people that people, uh, or no, the people that are trying to figure out who they think he was killed. And it's the six former sidekicks he had uh, in his shows. So the first one is a kid named Paul Hernandez, who played a kid um, in his show called Martial Art. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, and his t- name is Tuff Munson. And uh, so basically, it's this whole like, kitty thing and he saves the kid from some bad guys and then you see him actually punch one of the um stunt doubles straight in the face and break his nose oh, shit. like trigger keaton mm-hmm. and they're like you can't keep doing that and he's just like that's their job and he's really shitty about it he's like i'm gonna keep doing it i don't give a shit and then the little kid paul hernandez is like hey mr keaton i've been really practicing did my punches look better and then keaton fucking leg sweeps him out <laughs> Drops him on the ground oh, and says, "No one help him up. Make him so make him get himself up. Like they don't help somebody. I swear I'll karate chop you straight in half." So he's just this fucking asshole, right? Mm. And then you see him talking to the producer. He's like, "We got to replace the kid. Get someone with more physicality." Uh-huh. And then he's replaced by Terry Komodo, which is this guy. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Terry is the new, uh, basically recasted character. Same character, new, new. Uh, cast and he actually is like a big tough strong kid and so he can be tough like like um trigger and they seem to have some kind of friendship but we don't really see much of it so i bet they had a falling out too uh then we we actually jump forward to sidekick number six which is uh this gentleman who actually finds the dead body okay and uh, he is going to be his sidekick as a detective on a detective show, like a CSI type thing. And his name is Miles Nguyen. And he's the one that figures out it's probably a murder because he sees clues. He's like, I had to basically go to detective school to play this part. Okay. And they're like, you're a fake detective. He's like, no, look at this. Look at this. He's like pointing stuff out and the cops are like, don't worry about it, man. And he's just <laughs> like, what the fuck? And then so uh, then we meet uh, Tad Haycroft sidekick number three and it's funny because they, they're like hey yeah i was the sidekick on sidecar and he's like you didn't have a sidekick on sidecar he's like i was the car and then oh. he goes you were skippy <laughs> and then they keep showing like like old tv guide ads for each show when they describe them and it's like vroom vroom wrongly accused ex-cop carson gray trigger keaton is oh, on no. the run in a car with artificial intelligence <laughs> and then right beside it in the same panel is always like why it was canceled yeah it was like sidecar not renewed after Trick Keaton's very public drunken collision. Studio says we feel it would be in poor taste to continue a car show after this. 
<laughs> so yeah, it's just basically all these things failed. And then there's a girl. Um, uh, her name is Allison Saint Marie, and it's she joins him in like a sci-fi one that was canceled. Um with a quote of imagine a drunk doped up gorilla and that's what it's like to work with trigger keaton <laughs> so and then the last one richard brannigan uh who worked with him on a wild new drama that was canceled basically it's assumed that because uh richard brannigan's black it's assumed that trigger Keaton was racist to him oh, okay and basically the new sidekick doesn't hate him yet so he's like we need to solve this murder and all of them are like I have zero interest in doing this. <laughs> and so basically it's going to be them solving his murder. And it's very, it's actually really goofy and funny. Like at one point, a bunch of stuntmen um, punch uh, Paul, the first sidekick. Okay. And the second sidekick dude, the big burly one defends him against the side, the stuntman. And he's a stuntman. And they're like, you would assault a fellow stuntman for an, a real actor. And he's just like, man, calm down. He's like, this means war Komodo stuntman war <laughs> what, oh, <fuck. laughs> so and it's just really goofy and fun but i really really liked it actually nice. um it's it kind of reminds me of um i can tell you exactly what it reminds me of it's uh, uh terminal punks it's kind of it's kind of oh, our style oh, gotcha. it gives me like ludocrats vibes without being insane oh as far, okay as far as that okay yeah <laughs> like, like that's kind of like it ludocrats was so much for me i think this is just about where it should be you know uh-huh. what i mean like so but uh, i don't think i went through the creative team uh written by kyle starks drawn by chris schweizer colored by liz trash schweizer and edited by jo- john moison so uh really dug it it was really cool i enjoy it the characters are very unique yeah just a lot of fun so uh next up Josue has a pair of image books. Yes. Let's talk about The Good Asian 2. The Good Asian 2. Man, this is going to be a good drama. Um, if I can find the team. It's probably in towards the back, which makes no sense. Because I want to... Okay, there it is. Uh, Pornsog Pichote as the writer. Alexandre Tefengi as the artist. Lee Lutheridge as the colorist. Jeff Powell as the lettering and oh, designer. All right, this is telling a really good, um, I don't see, I don't even want to call it drama, but a really good fucking uh, noir crime thriller from the 1930s as the good Asian uh, perspective. Only it's like a good play on words because as the good Asian, he, he really teeters that line, at least like how to be a good cop and a bad cop and, again, how to be a good Asian. <laughs> so in this case, he's like it, his, his kind of his whole motto is still trying to figure out um, – who killed his mom? Especially how, like, I think how she died too. Mm-hmm. But in this case, at least for 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 the, in this issue, we're throwing a new player. I, I we're throwing we're throwing in a new player, a new antagonist, uh, and we'll see how much of a player he actually is. Because it's almost like a like a running legend right now in in I guess in this case in this Chinatown, and it's a uh, Hugh Long, which is like just a hatchet man, and he's just like a really like, too good like uh, of a hatchet man, which is why like. People don't believe that he's real. Just it's almost like say his name and he'll come. Um, <laughs> so he's still kind of almost like now kind of after him too, or at least like a gang is like has basically hired him because now it's like a, a new murder mystery. And there's like a, a really sweet, uh, uh, a really dope double page spread of like like a uh, flapper party, mm-hmm. or just like a really dope party back then. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then he encounters his sister, rather his adopt. Uh, his adopted sister uh, is there too. And she's just like really shitty. She just like, 
she was very prejudiced <laughs> towards him as they were as they were growing up and there's like flashbacks towards it and now she's just like just has this animosity it isn't really openly racist just like we'll, we'll just we'll say like these like bullshit things and then at the very end they <laughs> they have a like a fight and at the end she just drops that maybe daddy hasn't been all honest with him especially about mommy's murder and he's just like what the fuck so that's that's where we're at right now and she's like again just starting and it's just like so much being thrown at you especially because it's just like it is a well-timed book being out right now especially like in this climate right now and just like just 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 to see the story being played out it's just really cool nice and what about the return of ant number oh, 12 man. <laughs> do you know anything about this book i know eric larson makes it which makes me interested <laughs> okay uh well eric larson picked it up uh, I guess uh, the original creator was Mario Go- Mario Gully was the original creator to uh, of Ant, mm-hmm. and so this is Ant number twelve by in this case written by Eric Larson. So I know nothing about this book. I just knew it was kind of like of a rehash revamp of said title. So I was like, you know, what? let's just give it a go. Um, and yeah, I'm just I'm literally just like reading the words, turning the pages because I've no context whatsoever as as far as like <laughs> who these people are or why I should care but at the same time it is starting to paint a kind of an origin story like towards like the towards the endish and then you do get um Eric Larson's just like letter page about basically the whole situation and like what this character is and why do ant now and he basically bought the IP from Mario uh since it was just it it went through so much like I don't want to say development hell, but it went. This book went through a lot, and in this case, it, there was there was an idea here for Eric Larson that was not well executed the first time around. So basically, the first eleven issues were just sporadic. Like there was a there was a first there was supposed to be a mini by Mar by Mario, and it was fine. And then other people wanted to kind of pick it up too with Mario, so they kind of kept adding more to the story. But the thing about what Mario did from the first issue is that he basically just invented the character and just kind of built from there. Like, like Ant was already Ant. Like, she was already her hero. Uh, there was no domino effect of of, of characters or, or development, really. So everything that got added on was kind of like, well, how does this really make sense? Like, there was no actual chronological cohesive storyline here. So that's an issue that Eric had with the book, and it just kind of kept going. And then by issue 11, by for, for issue 11, for issue 12... It was Mario was writing it with somebody else. They had a falling out in between making 12. They came to Eric to kind of finish drawing it. And in the falling out and the process of falling out, Mario wasn't getting back to Eric. I guess he he was just really bad at texting back. He's pretty much Mario was like, is like the worst uh, person to text back or to email back to. Um, so basically after the falling out happened between Mario and the other guy with one of the characters that was implemented into the, into the story was the other person's creation. Now they couldn't use that character. And basically now the first seven pages that were already made before Eric had to were scrapped and completely gone. Uh, yeah. There's so much bullshit that happened. So it pretty much just stayed dead. And now, and then by the end, Mario was like, Mario was still kind of like wanted to do it, but Eric was just like, I kind of want to do it by myself. So that, <laughs> this is him tackling it now and what he's going to do with it. Now, this is issue 12. The next ant issue is going to be ant number one and now fully by Eric Larson. And what he's going to do is that he's going to kind of like 
kind of paint the bridges or put the bridges where they weren't there from the original run. So that by the time his issues of 11 going to 12, it'll mm. come back to this 12. If that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Like he'll, he'll re he'll be retelling basically like how like the, the original one through 11, but because those are all kind of jumbled up in their own way, he's basically going to kind of make sense of that. So by the time we get to 12, it'll to this 12, it'll be coming to 12 from both, from both ends. It's like, um, you didn't really read Chu, right? No. Chu did this thing where they jumped ahead like 12 issues. Okay. It was just randomly, they jumped 12 issues and you're Crazy. like, what? Yeah. And everything's different. And then they went back and showed you how they got there. Oh, it was cool. awesome. <laughs> nice. like, I loved it. So that sounds familiar. Yeah. And also like, and I, and I love going to image because it's kind of like, it was my first source to get my books that weren't about capes and tights. So, but I, so I never really had my image superhero book really. And it's like, you know what? Let me yeah. get, let me get a good taste of like the classic and just like, or at least go a little bit, a little bit of a throwback with this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, oh, and, man. I, and, I can recommend you some uh <laughs> some image superhero books they're old school though yeah, yeah. i was actually going to talk about it um for those who don't know who eric larson is he is the creator of savage dragon yes which is one of only two image books that's still going from the formation of image and that was the thing too like in the yeah. lettering too so apparently ant uh did appear in savage dragon like a couple of times i would believe that there were a lot of crossovers with savage dragon um, and he was actually publisher. Uh, he ran Image for a while, mm-hmm. for like five years. Oh, nice! Um, but he basically he's like, I can't keep making Savage Dragon and be publisher. It's a full time job, basically. Oh, so damn! He stepped yeah. Down. So yeah, uh, I'm a fa- I'm fascinated with early Image. That's that's an episode we're gonna have one day. It's just talking about early Image. That'd be dope. Um, but I really I really like him. I'm a big Wills Portracio fan. Mm-hmm. I like Mark Silvestri a lot. Like yeah. I like the the big ones, the McFarlane, Jim Lee, yeah, Layfield. Um, those are the ones everybody talks about, but honestly, it's the other four that fascinate. The other guys, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, no, apparently, Ant had uh, had crossovered with Spawn and Savage Dragon at one point or another. That's one cool thing about Image is like, even though they're all completely separate universes, you want to do a crossover? Sure. Like, there's not much of a negotiation <laughs> needed, you know? Like, I like that. So nice. All right, next up, a book we share. Let's talk about Carmen, number okay. four. I love this book so fucking much. Uh, everything by Gillum March. We'll just get that out of the way. <laughs> That's the creative team, Gillum March. Um, so we get a window into the world of Carmen. Yes. And I bet you really, really dug that. That seems oh, like straight yeah. up your alley. Yeah. It was just and so I thought it was, Yeah. It's interesting because we meet her like supervisor, if you will. Uh-huh. And once again, it's a different body system. This one is like the the digestion system. Yes. So I thought that was interesting. So yeah, um, but she's still rocking like the heels, like the little shorter heels. But like yeah, they're yeah. still like, what what fashion is this? This was an emotional ride for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have our recently deceased, and she basically knows she's going to be moving on soon, and she's trying to trying to accept it, and she's listening on somebody else's conversation and realizes. It's the girl that's that's dating Zisco, mm-hmm. the guy she loves, and she's like, "What?" And she broke up with him, or he broke up with her, and she's like, "Yeah, I don't know what the what's up with this and all this." And she's like, "Wait, what? No!" And she's like trying to talk to her, and of course she can't because she's dead, and she's trying to get her attention. She's like, "Please don't make me touch you," basically. <laughs> yeah. And then the girl touches her, 
and she sees it all and it's basically like you know what's going on between them and it's like he finds or she finds out that like you know um basically the girl that he left her for the girl that he's actually in love with cat is kata our, our deceased person um and he did it with the, it'd be weird to go ask for advice about the girl I'm in love with from the girl in question. And that's when she realized, and it's heartbreaking because we know she took her own life and she really was going to get exactly what she really wanted. She, she just overreacted and was yeah. being overly emotional. And it was just, it's just so fucking sad. Like, so now she's determined to go see him and like talk to him to explain or something like that. And so she runs. She has to basically find her way into his apartment. Uh, she runs to his parents. You know, they close the door in her face. All this. And she finally gets up there. And he's sitting there leaving a voicemail for her while she's standing there listening to it. And she, she's trying to reach. She wants to reach out and touch him. And she, she stops, pulls back. And then the big white circles right behind her looming, ready to take her. Fuck. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like... For someone like me, I have a real problem with mortality. Um, mm-hmm. I have like an, I have really existential problem with it, the concept of it, okay. and it's something that's on my mind a lot as somebody who's you know not mentally healthy. Yeah. Uh, so, um, fuck this fuck, comic fucked me up, and I really really liked it. It was so good. Like I one hundred percent understand where she's coming from, and not from the suicide portion of it, for the record. If anyone's wondering, yeah, I'm way too selfish for that shit. Um, so. <laughs> But yeah, just like uh, she just she just messed up, and there's no going back. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that was brutal to me. Like, so I'm so curious to see where this is going to go. I have a thought. Okay. I have a and I had this thought an issue ago, and I thought I'd sit on it and see if I still think it's accurate, and I still feel it. So I'm going to share it now. I think she might become one of the the Reapers. Like it'd be like a decision, like either crossover or be one of these. Yes. Positions. Yeah. Cause they're showing us a lot about the organization. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense of rush now to, to have a rush over. Yes. So they're show, showing us a lot about the organization and there's really no reason to show us that. Mm-hmm. If, it's not going to go anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like in something that's killing the children, for instance, we don't need to see the house of the dragon unless it's going that direction. And it went that direction. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of what my thought process on that is. So I'm curious to see how, where this goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think that that's my theory, but I'm not like convinced of it or anything like that. It's just a theory I have. So what, what well, about yourself? What do you think? A- and what do you think of that idea? Well, I mean, like the idea is, is like I, I'd buy it because yeah, there's that sense of rush, and there's almost like, um, fuck, was it, where I was gonna go with it? Um, I don't know. Like, I, I just I can totally see it happening, especially with like her kind of like her revelations about everything, and just kind of keeping around like what she kind of like offer to new people, especially in this situation, or like how they can kind of like help them cross over too. Mm-hmm. Um, my my thing about in the issue though is that I don't think she ever saw his movies. <laughs> this dude there's a, on one of the flashback scenes in in yeah. his background he literally has before sunrise and reality reality bites this dude was probably such an obvious dork but he but to her she he was probably just like really really just too cool the man was basically ethan hawk 
the man, the man basically wanted to be Ethan Hawk. Hey, for the record, I want to be Ethan Hawk. Dude, we share the same birthday. I want to be fucking Ethan Hawk, dude. I've, he's one of the people I, I've always liked the most as far as... I'm not saying anything bad about to be Ethan Hawk. The, the man's yeah. fantastic. I was like, I'm just saying, for the record, I'm, I'm watching saying, right now. I'm just saying the whole setting in French, the whole the posters, if she probably sat down and watched some movies with him, she probably would have mm-hmm. seen the, the whole cool facade and just being like, yo, you, let's just be together. Stop being a dork. <laughs> yeah uh and the before trilogy is one of my favorite movies oh trilogies. absolutely so it breaks my heart. heart the last one i openly <laughs> weeped watching that last one it kills me the fact so. that you actually you just you just have to feel the time the fact that they they, they took yeah. their time to make those movies god so good i'm also a massive defender of boyhood by the way oh, i love boyhood Don't give me i fun. went on a rampage when it didn't win an oscar or didn't uh. win the oscar i should say <laughs> actually i didn't care about best film it should have won best director Ooh, Link better should have won. Absolutely like, for for yeah. that for that attempt. Yes, I think it was beaten by um, Birdman, which as well for <laughs> for a picture. Hey, Birdman is the awesome. best Don't picture you. is Birdman. Okay, that's fine. Birdman and is awesome. I think it was beaten by for was it Gravity oh, for I, director. Oh yeah, I want to say if Quadron took it from shameful. from from him. Yeah, kind of shameful on that one. So, anyways, yeah. Anyways, we got off topic there. So. Yeah, I really, really loved it. it. It emotionally affected me pretty deeply, and I really, really love this book so much. So, um, all right, last image book, and it's a big one. Let's try not to spend too much time on this, but I know we will. Die, <laughs> die number seventeen, uh, written, of course, as always, by Karen Gillan, art by the wonderful and snubbed Stephanie Hans, <laughs> and the lettering by Clayton Cowles. So. Our last issue, we left off, and originally, obviously, we found out about the Bronte sisters. Yes. Then we met H.G. Wells, and now we met H.P. Lovecraft, which um, is a complicated figure. Yeah. More so than the other two. Well, for sure. Easily. Um, first of all, his work alone is very controversial, mm-hmm. in that you either really like it or you don't at all. Um, and it's funny, because Love of Pages recently reviewed... My recommendation of a Neil Gaiman story done in it's basically a Sherlock Holmes short story, but done in a world of elder gods from Lovecraftian fiction. Mm. And it was very clear how polarizing it is because some of them did not like it at all Ooh. for the record. <laughs> and I, one thing I, I really like is, um, and I think this is why I think Lovecraft works a lot better written than shown is. I don't like Lovecraftian Elder Gods to be described. Okay. I like the mystery of it. Like, he never really tells you exactly what they look like. Right. It's always like a horror of tentacles and mouths and eyes. You know, he's never like, they have exactly 18 eyes. And, you know, like, it's never like that. It's more in your imagination. So visually, Lovecraft bothers me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I'm like, it's the that it's supposed to be, he can't describe it because if you visualize it, you would go insane. Yes. You know what I mean? And so, like... That's one of the things they brought up. One of the the people in Love Pages read it and was like, "Oh, you know, visually, you know, or like, I, I don't like there weren't really descriptions of like what the Queen of England looks like because she's an Elder God spoiler." And I'm like, "It's kind of the style, though. They, you're not supposed to know what they look like. You know what I mean? You just know they're supposed to be horrifying, <laughs> basically." <laughs> so, um, so that being said, I'm not a big Lovecraft guy. Yeah. Uh, and by Lovecraft, I mean the style, not the man. Right, Let's right. make that clear. Um, not a big Lovecraft guy. I know you were well more of one. 
than yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm more of like the the style the style and not the guy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Neither of us for the record like the guy. <laughs> so um but we do see him here and he's at his most Lovecraftian. Oh yeah. With his eyes sewn shut and being all creepy and mysterious. And I was kind of worried. Cause I'm like, oh no, is the last arc of this book just gonna be Lovecraft for four issues? Uh-huh. I'm like, I that'll be a really like damp squib of an ending for me. I'd really <laughs> not like that, you know? No. Uh so so Izzy gets a message from uh which which goddess was it? Um Dreamer, the dreamer. Yeah. Um, that basically said you don't need him anymore. Kill him. And so she does. She kills Lovecraft. Now, for the record, this is a, a reflection of Lovecraft. It's not the real Lovecraft. <laughs> so Where they're about to get attacked by all these Lovecraftian creatures. They teleport away deeper. And then they're next to a lake and tentacles start coming out. And I love the line because I fell for this so hard, Josue. <laughs> and I was so delighted when I found out what it was. Yeah. The line, oh, tentacles, they were overdue. No Lovecraft without tentacles. And it's just like so great. And there's a gate and they're trying to get the gate open and the thing in the lake is attacking them. And I'm dumb and I don't put this together at all. And they're like trying to figure it out. And there's this killer shot. That fucking squid eyes was fucking insane. And then of all people. (laughs) Okay. So. For those, okay, I realize we didn't set this up at all. Okay, so uh, this is the one with all the people that do the role-playing game. You know what I'm talking about. So remember Saul, because we don't talk about him when we do these reviews a lot. Yeah. Saul's the bad guy, but he's also one of them now. He's the Grand Master. Of all people to save them, it's Saul. And he says, it's not a Lovecraft creature. I've been this way before. The dungeon. I know how to get in. And then Ash says, then get us in. And he holds Ash's hand and says, friend. And the door opens and says, oh, God, we're delving too deep. <laughs> oh, my God. I got I, I got chills now uh-huh. talking about it. <laughs> we're actually going to Moria. <laughs> like, we're actually doing a Lord of the Rings crossover and die. <laughs> I'm so excited, guys. Like, oh, my God. So good. God damn, this book is good. Like, that, it, honestly, I I I want to know when it clicked for Kyrian to be like, oh, thank God I can just like segue out of this guy because he he also has stated that he's not a big Lovecraft fan either. But yeah. at the very least, in this scenario for this book, it's something that should at the very least be incorporated into it. But I love that he just like whoop as as as, as soon as he got the chance because yeah. he was still, like, honestly, I fucking love the part where he Lovecraft says a says a fucking line, and I and I love uh fuck what's her name. And I love Ash's uh, monologue. There we go. Part of me, part of me would would be disappointed if Lovecraft didn't say something at least low key racist. And like, yeah, cool. right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're addressing it. It, he, it is what it is. Yeah. And he was uh, he was a pretty important part of, you know, cosmic horror, and and also role playing. Like yeah. like Call of Cthulhu was a big deal. You know sure. what I mean? So. It makes sense for him to be involved, but yeah, I like what you, the way you put it. Getting him out of the way quickly was a great idea. So, mm-hmm. oh, fucking and also Chuck. not only that, but just caving his head in, which is great. Just, boom! <laughs> uh, no, fucking, fucking Chuck being the one on top of this story, just because he he, it was just like more of his alley. Uh, was yeah. actually really cool. <laughs> but it was also bad luck for Chuck. Yes, he's not being random; he's being calculated. Yep. 
which that hasn't come up in a while and I almost forgot about it. So it was kind of cool when it did. So, yeah. But yeah, die is incredible and I still can't believe it's going to end. Three, three, three more issues, right? Supposedly three more issues. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to move on to our big two. Let's do it. And we're going to start with DC Comics. Josue, tell me about Wonder Woman 773. I almost picked it up this week. You want to know why? Yeah. Why? The cover. Oh, wait. That Pride cover? cover? Oh, the Pride cover. Man. I almost got it for the Pride cover. The Pride cover was good. I almost got cover B. There's like these kind of like uh, realistic uh, covers to them. And they look like just like very Magic the Gathering setting. And in this case, it was just like her nestled up with uh, a fucking... Uh, what's his face? Augustus. The man is just gorgeous. Like, spoiler right now. The man is just gorgeous. Yes. Like, this should be Diana's love interest. <laughs> She's just amazing. Um, and it was just like one of those like hyper realistic like uh, portraits of them too. But it's like, no, I gotta go cover A. Love the series. Uh, maybe <laughs> if there's more extra money next week, I'll and if it's still, are, still there, I'll get it. But right now, it is Wonder Woman seven seventy three. Bye. Michael and Becky Con oh no, Michael W. Conrad and Becky Cloonan. Uh, art by Travis Moore, colors by Tamara Bonvillain, and lettering by Pat Brazu. This is After Worlds, my LARP, part four, in which Diana settles settles? Yeah. Settles her adventures in Asgard. Oh man. So she went to go fuck with the Valkyries because they pretty much just weren't doing their job. They weren't sending Putting the soul, laying the souls to rest so they can come back, or at least like and do uh, Ragnarok and Valhalla all over again. There were just like less and less souls coming up to to Valhalla, um, and in doing so, like all well, the Valkyries are pretty much like just well, they say this, but like yeah, we just don't want to do it anymore. And doing so, Thor and the rest of the Asgardians like just followed Diana the whole time, and it's like you're not gonna do what, and it's like they pretty much start fighting each other. Um, Thor. <laughs> It's just fucking an, an idiot um, and thinks he can not fight Diana, calls her by w- the Wander, the, the Wander woman. <laughs> um, oh, like Wander. Like Wander, yes. The, <laughs> um, nice. But uh, so, yeah, so, and so they start fighting it out and Diana just like blocks Milner and just crunches it. Because uh, again, this isn't the real Milner. This is, um, what is it? Dr. Psycho's like enchanted weapons that he's like giving them but it's nice right. it, it was pretty cool to see just diana just like fuck your millionaire <laughs> uh this this one just felt a little kind of, I just, maybe i'm just seeing it as my as my marvel uh fanboy but i'm just, i'm seeing this one as like the the dig back at, at marvel in, in this case just to open up with this first uh, arc in, in asgard which just hasn't happened in or really hasn't happened in wonder woman yeah uh but anyway uh, dr psycho um wonder woman gets in dr psycho's head or at least like they have a like a mindscape uh, fight to where, because he's too worn out by trying to be everywhere with the weapons and chanting all the weapons. He's just too weak to kind of like be to overpower wonder Woman, wonder woman in this case. So now she physically overpowers him and we have a really good appearance of dead man again. And I really hope that dead man is just like a constant appearance uh, in this book. He does allude to it. And he, he's the one that's kind of warning her. I was like, yo, you're pretty much you're pretty much just done here. Like you did what you kind of like wanted to do when we told you not to do, and you, when we told you not to, and you still did it. You're done. Olympus fucking needs you, and yeah. she's like, all right, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> but she's not she's not done in Asgard yet. Uh, she's pretty much like there at the table. Um, so I think so. I, 
the Valkyries and Asgard can just hash it out all over again to see, to, to figure out like well, how shit should be working now. And it turns out that, yeah, the Valkyries will still do their thing as long as they have like pretty much like one day off. Guess, guess what it is? Guess what their one day off is? I have no idea. Thirsty Thor's Day. Of course. <laughs> I was thinking one day a year, not one day a week. <laughs> well, it's one day a week. Like those Valkyries are fucking done after eons of this bullshit. Uh, so Diana pretty much just like has one last night with uh, with sexy, sexy Augustus. Oh boy, the man should just not leave. He should just not leave this book. And so she pretty much like kind of walks out on him at night, so he can just like keep resting. Um, she's still gonna leave with the fucking um, with the squirrel that's supposed to be like a, a trickster. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a there's an eagle ride waiting for her there. But uh, sexy, sexy Augustus shows up because he wasn't gonna let her go without saying goodbye. But yeah, nice. anyway, so she leaves. She she leaves Asgard behind and shows up uh, in Olympus. And yeah, Dead Man was right. Olympus needed her. <laughs> <laughs> Spent too long over there, girl. What the fuck happened? Um, one thing that is of note is that I'm really, really gonna miss her as guardian as guardian attire. Like mm-hmm. the whole cape with like the fur, the the silver, red, and blue, super fucking dope. Um, as she, as soon as she touches on um, on on Olympus, her whole headgear changes, and she's in and she's in a toga. <sighs> Lame. I know. I, I was really fucking loving the, this outfit, <laughs> but, but it's, it's probably through settings or where she's ever at. But man, her adventures in Asgard was really good. Uh, again, that that man is that, that man needs his own book because he's just too fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, and then the words of a uh, of Atlanta. That man is gorgeous. <laughs> nice, awesome. Okay, nice. and next up is a couple comics from me. First of all, Challenge of the Super Sons number three. Oh, cool. Now, once again, John Kent and Damian Wayne traveling around saving DC heroes without their knowledge. Um, written by Peter J. Tomasi. Art by George Corona and Mark Max Rayner, color by Luis Guerrero, and letter by Rob Lay. So we actually get a lot of the like exposition as to why they're doing this. What happened? Uh, they go back in time. They run into uh, Vandal's Savage and Felix Faust, who find out back in time that we're going to be bad guys one day, and the Justice League are going to ruin all of our plans. We're going to be jokes, basically. Mm-hmm. So they they cast these spells back in time that can kill each member of the Justice League at specific moments. So the only ones that can stop them are Damien and John. Hmm. And that's why they're traveling around and stopping all these spells, you know. Um, and it's pretty funny. Uh, th- there's a lot of really good jokes, like um, how John Kent is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the entire He's just too good. And uh, Damien's just kind of an asshole, you know what I mean? Like, it just keeps... There's little bits about it, and there's little character moments that I just absolutely love. Um, there's specifically one where um, it actually cuts forward, and you find out that it they can't tell the heroes because it'll break the break something, and they're not able to save them. Basically, okay. So they have to save them without them knowing is the idea. So it cuts to Damien, and he's holding a spiked mace. He's like. <laughs> truth is you wouldn't believe me if i told you he's like my assistant Superboy, and i'm like, <laughs> <"Damn it."> <laughs> <Asshole>. <laughs> like and i were transported in the past blah blah blah. he explains it and he's like um long story short pre-revenge um the problem is there's a fail state that if we reveal this to any of you will mean instant death he's like so anyways hot girl 
That's why I'd hit you from behind with your mace. And she's unconscious and he's talking to her. He's like, yeah. And so then you find out what was going to kill her was uh, she was doing some archaeology shit and something released a poison gas. Well, John Kent sucked up all the poison gas and is holding it in his in his lungs. In his super lungs. And, and then they're like, he's like, we need to get rid of this. And they're, you know, he can't talk. He's like, and Damon's like, what? I don't understand. It's like, fly up and release it up there. And he's like, you won't kill anybody. He's like, he goes like this. He goes, birds? He's like, I don't care if birds die. <laughs> like, so they get outside and they're trying to figure out what to do with it. And there's a guy selling balloons. And it's a clown. And literally, Damien's quote is, clown, balloons, in the name of justice now. <laughs> and the clown, and then he's like, how much is the red one? And the clown's like, a dollar. He's like, I don't know. The blue does match his overall aesthetic better. <laughs> like, so he barters. They blow up a balloon with a bunch of poison gas, and then they carry it around. <laughs> the rest of the it's great, um, but yeah. And then uh, Hawkwoman gets up, and she she like they get away from her and stuff. So it's been a lot of fun. It's been a really fun ride. Uh, really enjoying this book. So uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a mini, but it's totally enjoyable. Um, it if sounds that's like your one thing. of the most like golden age comics that they've done in a while. <laughs> it's fun. It's a lot of and Damien shitty Damien is the best. Like, yeah. I love him so. Yeah. Next up. Detective Comics 1037. Uh, so this is continuing the story where, uh, you know, a woman of privilege was killed and Bruce is doing the investigation, but it seems like the city doesn't want him to solve it. Um, Bruce actually gets arrested as Bruce Wayne as a suspect. They think he did it because he, fa- he found with the next woman talking to her and she ended up dying too. So they're like, there's a connection there. So, uh, written by Mariko Tamaki, penciled by Victor Bogdanovich, inked by Victor as well as Jonathan Glebion, colored by Jordi Belair, and lettered by Aditya Bidikar. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. They're really uh, going into it. Basically, Bruce gets arrested. And he's he's put in a cell in a police department, and the guy's like, "Stay here." And he's like, "All right." And he leaves, and there's like no cops in the building. He's like, "What the fuck's going on?" And he uses his watch, which they didn't take from him for some reason. And uh, ha- uses it to hack into the cameras. And he sees outside the father of the first girl that died, who is determined to take vengeance upon him, thinking he did it, uses a rocket launcher and blows up the police station. He basically told all the cops to leave uh, so he can kill Bruce. Obviously, Bruce survives and they start a fist fight. And that's where the issue ends. So this is that traditional issue four ish area story. Right. So not a lot to really go over. Um on the back end of it, there is a uh, another story about uh, Lucius Fox and about like his role. It was a really cool, just like building story. So um, good issue, but it's again, it's one of those central stories that it's not resolved, it's not starting. There's not a lot to really talk about, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but that takes us to Batman Urban Legends number four. Okay, blow through this real quick. Red Hood and Batman, uh, written by Chip Zarsky, drawn by Eddie Barrows and Eber Ferrara. And Marcus Toe, Adriana Lucas Coloring, Becca Carey Lettering. Batwing Story, written by Cameron Johnson, by Ooh. the way, who plays Luke Fox in, yeah. um, in Batwoman. And he's very good. He's one of the best parts of that show. Cool. Um, penciled by Loiso Minkaz, um, inked by Trevor Scott, colored by Andrew Dollhouse, and lettered by Troy Petiri. Tim Drake Story, called Some of Our Parts, written by Megan Fitzmartin, drawn by Belen Ortega, colored by Alejandro Sanchez, and lettered by Pat Brosseau. And then Grifter, part four of five, written by Matt Rosenberg, drawn by Ryan Benjamin, colored by Antonio Fabella, and lettered by Seda Timofonte. So, 
I'll give quick reviews of each of these. The Jason one is continuing to be a really good Jason Todd story. Nice. Um, at this point, Jason is captured by Mr. Freeze. And Batman drops everything to go try to save him. He's like right in the middle of something. And he literally just goes to save him. Which will, which might go into the next book we're going to talk about. Oh, in a no moment. shit. Nice. Yeah. So uh, just like that, that change of attitude I think is interesting. So okay. um, Jason's frozen solid. We have a bunch of flashbacks to when Jason was killed as Robin. And the choices Bruce made, and you get this whole impression that he's not going to let that shit happen again. That's the kind of idea. Um, Bruce has to choose between saving Jason or capturing Freeze. He, he saves Jason, obviously. Right. So. Um, and Jason's like, you came, you saved me. And then that's when Freeze comes back with, I want to say his character name is going to be Cheer, which is basically Scarecrow but happy. Ooh. Like, instead of making you afraid, he makes you, like, ridiculously happy. Okay. Because the drug that's going around is called Cheer Drops. Okay. And it's like the fear gas, but it makes you, like, so ludicrously happy you'll walk off a building without realizing and stuff. Ooh. So, Wait, uh, I like the character like the, design. He looks cool. Maybe he'll take it kind of like the Joker? Like, laughing gas? Kind of, but it's not like, you know, it stretches your mouth and you die of that. It's more oh, yeah. just your... It's, it's narcotic. People are using it for fun. Okay. So... The next story is Batwing, and it's a really cool, fun story. Um, and it's about um, basically he's solving a Riddler puzzle, and part of it involves him fighting Killer Croc. And in the end, he ends up talking to Killer Croc and being like, and Croc, "Croc is like, I don't like Riddler. He's tricked me into this." Like, and he's like, "Oh, let's just team up against Riddler." And he's like, "All right." And that's basically how it ends, <laughs> which is really great. Um, but it's it goes around. It's it's a lot of fun. I really like Batwing when New Fifty Two launched. That was actually one of my favorite books was Batwing. Oh, that's I was cool. forgetting about that one. That, that one's one I don't a think lot about a lot. Yeah, they yeah. didn't get a lot of that Batwing. The next story is about Tim Drake. <laughs> so you can... No, no, I don't mean to be a dick. Was it a passable uh, story? You, you guys know I just don't like Tim Drake. Uh, it was fine. The problem was he... Um, he's perfect again. Oh, okay. And I hate when Tim Drake is perfect. It's just really annoying. So, um, But he meets an old friend. And they meet up, and basically, it's going to be a multiple-part story. They get attacked, he gets knocked out, and his friend is kidnapped. So, we're going to see where that goes. And then we get the penultimate episode of the Grifter Saga, where Grifter teams up with Deathstroke, where they fake a fight, <laughs> and that to draw Batman to stop them. Okay. And then they're going to work together to take out Batman. Oh, my God. And Superman shows up instead. <laughs> and they're both Idiot. like, shit, shit. And like Deathstroke is like, you don't pay me enough for this. And just bails immediately. Like, he's oh, like, that's fuck awesome. that. Yeah. So meanwhile, Grifter is also trying to protect Lucius Fox because he's supposed to be his bodyguard. So mm. good stuff. Uh, it'll end in the next issue, which I'm really sad about. But we'll see. Uh, so I wanted to run through that quick because it's four different stories. And I wanted to get to our next book, which me and Hostway share. Future State Gotham 2. Yeah, now we do. I mean, we did them, but I didn't read it yet, but holy shit. Yeah, I was I like, I this did. is your first uh, live review of this book. Yeah. So, written by Joshua Williamson and Dennis Culver. Art by Giannis Milogiannis. Letter by Troy Pateri. Once again, this is in black and white. Yes, And it's I done it. in that amazing Akira almost style we talked about. So, um, this is set in the future state future. And where the rest of the Bat family, including Living Lightning with his badass sword. How great is that character design? It was cool, yeah. Yeah. And it's spoiler, Tim, Living Light or not Living Lightning, uh, other one. That's Marvel. Black Lightning, thank Black you. Black Lightning. <laughs> um, Living Lightning was an Avenger. Uh, and Dick. And um, 
they're basically like, hey, you're a traitor. You're working with the peacekeepers. He's like, you don't understand, basically. Try and tell them they don't understand. Um, in the end, he manages to get away. And then we see uh, we see Tim and Dick have a conversation where Dick is like, you think I was too hard on him. And once again, Tim is the reasonable one. And I'm so sick of Tim being the good guy. I'm really sick of it. I don't like it. He's such a like pompous ass. Yeah. But um, we find out the person who Jason is taking orders from is Bruce. Yes. Jason's the only one Bruce told he was still alive. He's the only one he trusts. See, I thought we knew that kind of. It's timeline wise, though. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Cool. At this point, they didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So he's the only one that knows, and they're like, hey, "You're the only one I trust with this," you know. And he's probably, to be honest, Jason's the only one that probably could get in with the magistrate and actually. Oh, totally. Like if Dick walked up, they'd be like, "Put him in jail." Basically, <laughs> yeah. like we don't trust you. You're not, you know, you don't have a reputation for being an ass. You know what I mean? So <laughs> we also see the reference that it's after Immortal Robin because Tim is immortal. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> can't can't even be hurt at this point. Um. And then uh, we do see that uh, basically uh, Jason's whole mission is to capture the new Batman. Uh, he goes to uh, Blackgate Penitentiary. He meets up with the Arkham Knights from their run, and they've all been captured. The new Batman shows up. They're about to fight when the Arkham Knights break out, and now they're going to have to work together. And so they're going to basically find out you know, what each other's motivations are and probably start getting along. So, Or at least um, like, get, get the new Batman's alibi on what the fuck with the bomb. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, and then also we see the um, there's a backup story at the back with the new Batman being beaten by a bunch of racists before he kicks their ass. So, oh man, no, this is so cool. No, honestly, I fucking love this book, and I, I've, it's great. I've, I've been saying it's like oh, I just I just don't want to buy a Batman book anymore. I just like take my good fresh break on it. I fucking love this book so much. Like even like down like rereading like the reading the first one, um, and then the backup story to that one by mm-hmm. Katsuhiro Odomo. The actual creator of Akira is like, yeah. it's like, yo, DC, can I do whatever I want with Batman? Like, yeah, you know, sure, as long as we can like do an homage to Akira, yeah, sure, that's fine. I'm just gonna go fucking crazy with Bruce on this one, <laughs> and it was bonkers. It makes no sense, but in the end, it's like I'm not Batman. It's like he's emerging from the fire, and now in yeah. this one, the backup story is drawn by fucking um, Olivier Coppel, Coppel yeah, which yes. is like, and I, and I love it when I get my Marvel artist coming over to the other side and doing a take on a superhero. And it's like, Oh, this looks so fucking cool. <laughs> I love this backup yeah. story. I love this whole book, the whole premise of it. And I just like, I, I do really dig that it's in black and white. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, I know we were kind of like joking around originally like, Oh, I thought we were done with the future state, but oh, this yeah. is actually one of the best things of future state for the record. Cool, for sure. So, also that backup story was written by John Ridley, the guy that did 12 years of slave. Oh, no shit. Yeah. The director of it. Nice. So. Also, I got to give a quick shout out to one specific pinup. This oh, yes. is fucking beautiful. Really cool. It's a uh, Rafael Grampa, mm-hmm. and it's just awesome, sketchy Batwoman. A oh, Batwoman, just, yeah. That cape. I would is blow just that so up cool. on my wall, dude. That would be so beautiful on the wall. Oh, I love it. So good shit. All right, finally, last DC book. Oh boy, we're gonna go through this as quick as we can. We promise. We love you all. DC Pride. I'm just going to knock out the creative team now. <laughs> First book, James Tinney in the fourth writing, Trung Lee Nguyen, artist, Aditya Bidikar lettering. Uh, Steve Orlando writing, Steve Byrne, artist, Josh Reed lettering. 
Fida Ayala writing, Skylar Partridge drawing, Jose Villarubia coloring, Ariana Mayer lettering. Uh, Mariko Tamaki writing, uh, Amy Reader drawing, Marisa, Marisa Lewis coloring, Ariana Mayer lettering. Sam Johns writing, Klaus Jansen are drawing, Dave McKegg coloring, Tom Napolitano lettering. Uh, Danny Lore writing, Lisa Stroll drawing, Enrica Aaron Angioli- Angiolini coloring, Becca Carey lettering, Cena Grace writing, Woo! Rose Stein and Ted Brandt drawing, Aditi Bidikar lettering, and Nicole Maines writing, Rachel Stott <laughs> art drawing, Enrica Aaron Angiolini, uh, Angiolini dra- coloring, Steve Wands lettering, and finally, Andrew Wheeler writing, Luciano Vecchio art drawing, Rex Locus coloring, Becca Carey lettering, and a whole bunch of pinups. I'm not going to go through that list. So, um, this is obviously the D- the celebration of LGBT in DC. Yeah. Um, I will, before we even get started, lots of really cool pinups in this. Yes. So, check them out. They're wonderful. So, we'll go through very quickly each one. The first one is a Batwoman story, and it mostly focuses around her and her sister, um, which was explored in the first season of the show really well. So, most people will be very familiar with this. Mm. Um, I really, really dug this. It also deals with the fact that she, um, you know, coming to grips with who she is growing up and everything like that. I thought it was really cool. I thought the art style was incredibly unique. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it. It was almost like Sandman art. A little bit. I like that I read this one first because then when I read Gotham, the that grandpa uh, pinup kind of reminded me of this. That's yes. why I really dug it. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Also, did it kind of um, allude that Mad Hatter might be still clo- uh, uh, closeted? Yeah, yeah. The way it was worded in the end, it was just like, wait, but that means it's directed to him. So that is that does that mean he just doesn't want to come out yet? And th- and that's why he gets all like, no, 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 and gets all more stabby. Yeah, stabby, stabby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Uh, second story is, oh boy. Uh, so it's got Constantine. <laughs> yes, we know that much. Um, but it Constantine is literally just a setup for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more about Midnighter. Uh, so I knew Midnighter was going to get a story. I hoped Apollo would be in it as well, but I guess he's not involved in the story. So, um, but this is really cool. It's about them taking out a like vampire dude. Uh, it's him and oh, I forget this guy's name. Um, not Doctor Strange. He's not Doctor Strange. This is what we're saying. Um, God, I know it too. Um, oh God. Okay. See, it's his first name, Gregorio. He's magic guy. Yeah, Gregorio. Let's just go with Gregorio. And basically, he's telling a story of when he teamed up with Midnighter. And then uh, they go to leave, and um, like Constantine is walking with him, and Constantine, or he's like, hey, well, the guy goes, I'm married, by the way. He's like, then invite him along. <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's all about he's a werewolf. Like, oh, it's all but settled then. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so like, great. Dude, you're only making this sweeter. Keep it coming. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, and then we get a story. This is the Vida Ayala one. Uh, this one is my girl Renee Montoya as the question. I loved this story. It was a lot of fun. Really cool. Uh, she saves a uh, a defense attorney who's running for counsel that she knows, but she saves her as the question. In the end, she saves her, and the defense attorney knows it's Renee the entire time, and actually kisses her on the mask. So the there's like lipstick smudged across her mouth, which I loved that. Really cool. <laughs> Yeah, I love the question. I, I, you know, there's a thing that goes around a lot. Like, if you could write one character in DC, the question 
there's not even a different answer for me. I would write a question book. I've been so curious and, about the the question black label book, like those big ones, those big books. Yeah. It's by Jeff Lemire too. It's kind of like, I mean, it should be good. Yeah. Then we get a Harley Ivy story. Um, I've made it clear that I don't really like Harley and Ivy together. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I don't mind them. I mean, I, I love that they're both, you know, LGBT. Mm-hmm. But I don't like them together because I don't see what Harley brings to Ivy's life. Oh, that's right. That's, that's your take. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I feel like it's just like a convenient story to tell. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Ivy deserves better. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I, but that might be my hatred of Harley, you know, but which is softening. Thanks to Stephanie Phillips and Riley Rossmo for the record. Okay. Nice. Um, but yeah, basically they have to work together to tame a, a plant and it, it's, it's cute and fun. And it's done very similar to the, the ongoing Harley Quinn book, which I'm reading the one with Stephanie Phillips and Riley Rossmo. So um, cute, cute stuff. Didn't mind it at all. So inoffensive. Then we get uh, probably the sleeper story for me. Uh, Alan Scott and Obsidian. Mm-hmm. So Green Lantern and Obsidian. Uh, father and son, both gay. And like both of different like generations. So that's kind of what the story is about. About Alan Scott's first crush when he was a young man. And how he came to grips with it. And I love the whole thing that... like it, It's really good. And basically they just share their information. He said... Um, I, I love the bit right here. Obviously it's the big climactic moment. But when Alan Scott says... When Jimmy died, I had to go at that alone. Now I see that maybe I didn't have to, but at the, at the time I did what I thought I needed to survive. Does that all make sense? You were the light in the darkness. You're the reason I came out. I know your life isn't easy. It might never be, but you'll never have to face those feelings alone again. And I'm like, fuck, that just hit me like a train, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, I love, I love Obsidian. That's one of the things we talked about when... Um, when the new 52 happened and they announced they were bringing Alan Scott back and they were going to make him gay. And I was like, are you getting rid of Jaden obsidian? Yeah. Like, cause uh, no, thankfully he did have kids. So cool. I'm fine with it. So, um, also this print, the constant. Oh, print. Hell yeah. I, yeah just it went fucking... everywhere on my timeline on Twitter. I was like, hell yeah. Keep it coming. Yeah. Then we get, uh, Jess chambers, flash, non-binary flash with aqua girl. Yes. Aqua woman. And she'll be mad at me. If you say aqua girl. And it's basically, um, Jess preparing for a date, trying to find an outfit. They get a version of their own Mirror Master, which they're very excited about. <laughs> <laughs> they have a fun fight, just a very flashy fight, you know. And then they're only a minute late for their date, and it's cute. And the little fashion show they put on, excellent. Oh, totally. It's so adorable. I was like, these are all very cute outfits. I dig all these. So. <laughs> That leads us to Pied Piper in Be Gay, Do Crime, which might be the name of our episode this week for the record. Do it, yes. <laughs> uh, and we get to see Pied Piper and Drummer Boy. And this was a lot of fun. This was the Scene of Grace one. Yeah. And he's been hyping it up for a while now. So I really enjoyed it. A lot of fun. Not a character that gets a lot of attention. Um, but yeah. And then I'll be flat out honest with you. We get to the highlight for me. Uh huh. Which is Dreamer. Uh, I'm a big fan of Dreamer in the Supergirl show. I oh, because really you watched the show, character. yeah. Yeah, I really love that show. And I really like... Uh, so Nicole Maines, who is a trans woman, is the one that wrote this. And nice. she's the one that played the character. Oh, fuck yeah. So she got to write her own character, which is a lot of fun. That's dope as fuck. Yeah. And not only that, not only the gimmick of that, but the art is fucking incredible. Like, this shot... Yes, it's absolutely beautiful. I was trying to follow I, it the way it moved. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And so, 
I love Dreamer's powers because she is a precog when she sleeps, but also can fire blasts of energy, which is something they had to learn later on to do. Like, so I've seen the progression of this character. Basically. My question is that since we're in the DC universe, and she it said it literally says she's tapping into the dreaming. Is that the dreams dreaming? It's an excellent question. Okay, it's not addressed in Supergirl, obviously, because right. Okay, you know, but uh, the other thing I really like about Dreamer, and this is this is interesting. So you didn't watch Supergirl, really, right? No. Okay, this is interesting. The alien race that um, Dreamer comes from. The women of the race get these precog powers. Only the women. Mm-hmm. Dreamer was born male and has a sister. And the mother was one of the precogs. So everybody assumed the sister was going to get the powers. Dreamer then transitioned to a woman and got the powers. Yeah. So this is actually a fascinating idea because it's not just acknowledgement that trans lives matter and you know or anything like that. This is DC outright telling us Trans women are women for exactly. all reasons that matter. And yeah. that is fucking incredible. I love that they make that statement. Fuck yeah. Like, and it's just, it's just a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed her arc in Supergirl. And oh, I just love it. And I love, I love the romance with Brainiac. That was one of the highlights of that show for me. Nice. Because like he, it, I like Brainiac because he doesn't really care. <laughs> you know? Right. It was never like a, oh, you're trans. There's never a moment of that. Brainiac's like, I like you. I'm Brainiac. Like, why would I have an emotional problem with this? Basically? So, uh, and then the Catman. Yeah. Dear DC, give me a Catman book for God's sakes. I love Catman. He's so great. Like, he's just I lo- excellent. I also love what they did. It's like, yeah, no, I still need to question him a little bit. So, is it okay if he just tags along as a third wheel for the date? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The guy that Dreamer feeds up. They're watching the movie. <laughs> like, yeah. And then we wrap it up with a uh, a final story uh, with Jackson Hyde, Aquaman, oh. who, by the way, bonus comic book news, is getting a series with DC. Wait, who? Really? Jackson Hyde, Aquaman. They just announced the series today. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, I missed that. Or Aqualad or Tempest or whatever name he's going <laughs> by. So, um, But yeah, and then this is the one where they kind of bring in all the Pride characters together and yes. have a big fight. So the very actual, cool. Love it. The actual yeah. JLQ. <laughs> And then they have a couple profiles in the back of some of the characters, some of which weren't actually featured in the book, so that was fun. Uh, I remember I saw um, Sarah Lance. These are all the live-action ones, by the way. Uh, so Sarah Lance from Legends of Tomorrow, who is amazing. Um, yeah, just really cool. I really, really enjoyed this. Uh, good job, DC. Honestly, it was actually a, a, a good shot, a good attempt. What coverage you get? Uh, same one. Same one? Cool, cool. Yeah. I was like, I, I want... <laughs> I want to cover A just because, like, I want to at least support Jim Lee because, like, you know what? At least he's trying here, but almost by himself. Uh, but no, the Jim Bartel cover is just too gorgeous. That was the only one left, to be honest with you. Okay, so I'm gonna go this weekend and see if I can find some variants because nice. I want I want to get some variants. I think it's just those two, the Jim, the Jim Lee one, and and oh, this. I thought there'd be like a bunch because of it being like a big thing. So. No, the, the big list is for the, just for the pinnas, but it's just them. It's just the two covers. Oh yeah. Jim Lee, Scott Williams, also they're ten dollars a piece, Martin. dude. Imagine oh, they're ten dollars a piece. Like, imagine a giant list of variants. I know, man. Oh, I was worth it though. Oh yeah. So awesome. All right, so that leads us to Marvel. Let's wrap this baby up. Yes. We don't have a ton of Marvel this week, guys. So let's wait quickly. Catch us up on Amazing Spider-Man sixty-eight. And I will, because it's just part two of this current arc. 
And in this case, we open up with Teresa Parker, who we left off with, with the chameleon at that Russian prison. And the chameleon was like, nah, nah, I don't think you want to kill me because I have the actual guy that killed your parents, the finisher. And she immediately starts blasting bullets on him. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> As you do. <laughs> as you do. But he's like, haha, like bullets can't touch me for whatever reason. It just goes into another room and it's like, let's talk. You might um, have something you can do for me. It's like, we'll see about that. Cut back to Peter Parker and the whole what the fuck on like what the hell is this Ned this Ned Ned Leeds doing here? And he gives us his whole backstory and what 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 happened. And he gives us his like backstory on like stuff that happened from like fucking forever ago. I'm not gonna go like through everything, but it's just like the quick de- the the little details of what it was from like when he was Hobgoblin when he was brainwashed by uh, Roderick Kingsley, editor's note from Hobgoblin Lives for the whole story. Um, why he's still being brainwashed, and then it was during the time why he started getting he started in the in the in the the relationship issues with between Ned in Ned and Betty's relationship. He started getting more aggro. There was the altercation where he punched Flash Thompson. Editor's note: ASM two seventy five <laughs> before Todd McFarlane took over. So it's kind of like, remember this sadly enough. I remember <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're I'm going, all like uncomfortably sitting here, like it wasn't that long ago. We're going that <laughs> far back, and then it's, and then it goes into like, oh yeah, and I was there for like with you, Peter. Remember that one time we went to Europe? Editor's note: Spider Man versus versus Wolverine number one. And he's like, oh my god, it's painting all this like thing. It's it's painting this story perfectly. Um, yeah. and then so it gives the the extra backstory of what it, what he was doing in Europe. And he goes uh, to an old uh, Oscorp location for more goblin serum because he thought his was kind of like fading away and he just wasn't being like the goblin he thought he was. Um, And he pretty much like drank it all. And by the time he got and while he was there, he was waiting for it to kick in. He wasn't feeling it. Uh, He got ambushed um, by the foreigner's men. Editors note, as seen in both Spider-Man versus Wolverine number one. Anime and ASM at 289. <laughs> so as he was there left for dead, uh, that's when the goblin uh, serum kicked in when they pretty much like buried, they pretty much buried him alive. The goblin serum kicked in and he came out and somebody was there waiting for him. And that's the story. <laughs> so we were just supposed to buy that from how long ago, even in uh, uh, Spider-Man times. And so everything's all right. And Betty's pregnant now. And I guess that happened during at uh, one point or another and everything's okay. But right now, Ned is asking is asking a question. Yeah, um, apparently something something to do with um, a boy named Jamie Tolentino and about a device called the Clairvoyant, Peter Parker's lab partner from yeah uh, yeah for the device. So he's like, oh shit, I gotta fucking go, guys. <laughs> like he always does, and so he kind of knows where he needs to go. He goes to Empire State, and in this case, Jamie's there, kind of like to steal. Uh, Dr. Connors uh, tag so he can so he can get in somewhere um, that Connors can and it's pretty much like to go get the clairvoyant device Spider-Man shows up it's like yo where's Jamie he's like oh he was just here he just went to the bathroom <laughs> so he find, uh, he crashes into through the wall they pretty much like it's a whole setup of villains that trying to uh, with uh, Chance the, the, the villain Chance the, he wants a clairvoyant device Spider-Man shows up crashes a party but now it's um, Spider-Man versus a bunch of goons, like a bunch of fucking um, Jack Lanterns, uh, Chance, and then just like a slippery dude. Again, another callback 
to a, a fucking villain that just like who thought about this guy i'll think about the name in a second but again like nick spencer bringing out a bunch of villains that are just like long lost forgotten backstory right. is Otto octavius searches for sandman he finds him and they go away together and the sinister war is coming so quick issue for, San- for yeah i mean all me too dude especially I because, might come on for the sinister war actually yeah because have you seen the did you see the whole double spread on the ads in yep. your issues yeah it's like holy shit yeah it's gonna be really cool Nice. Awesome. So that's your only solo book. Now I'm going to launch into mine. Nice. Uh, first one, I'm surprised Josue didn't pick up, but I guess he does buy enough Spider-Man books. Web of Spider-Man number one. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. Maybe I'll come back to get it. Maybe I'll come back so to Web, it. So Web is an acronym, mm-hmm. for the record. It's Worldwide Engineering Brigade. Okay. It's one of those forced acronyms, like yeah. SWORD. I oh, totally, it. yeah. <laughs> so written by Kevin Schnick. Artist is Alberto, Alberto Albuquerque. Uh, color artist is Rochelle Rosenberg and lettering by Travis Lanham. Uh, cover is by Guru Hero, who does the Thor and Loki Double Trouble book, by the way. Oh, okay, cool. So, I love him. Uh, so, uh, basically the story is Spider-Man always saves the world by punching people, but he's really smart, too. Mm-hmm. And so he gets... Also, I should point this out. I don't know if this is in 616 continuity or if it's like an aside to continue. It's weird. Okay. Uh, but basically he gets recruited into a group called web and as Peter Parker, but it's in a world where Tony knows Spider-Man's Peter Parker. Okay. And, um, he shows up to this like, uh, lab where they're going to do the research and he gets a little robot buddy. who's a little robot spider. He's cute. Nice. Okay. And, um, it's funny because he's like, welcome Spider-Man. He's like, ah, I'm Peter Parker. He's like, why do you think I'm Spider-Man? He's like, your voice patterns match what I have on file for Spider-Man, AKA Peter comma Parker. He's like, let's keep that Spider-Man part a little secret. He's like, certainly switching to whisper mode. And then the robot, oh the rest God. of the thing is just whispering the entire time. He's like, very good Parker comma Peter. He's like, you can just call me Peter. <laughs> like, so they go in and the team is a Nome, which is a Wakandan uh, young engineer woman. Daughter of one of Wakanda's greatest engineers. So I'm wondering if it's someone we know. Mm. You know? Um, Lunella Lafayette, Moon Girl. Nice. And uh, Harley Keener, the kid from Iron Man 3. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's what I thought, too. I was like, okay. So, and they're all working together. And it's kind of a fun, It's it kind of reminds me of Power Pack. I obviously didn't love it as much as Power Pack, because Power Pack's one of my favorite books ever. Yeah. But basically, it's the four of them, and they have to work together. And originally, they're all kind of doing their own thing. Uh, also, Squirrel Girl joins them, even though she's not like a massive in, like intelligence person, but she joins them. And in this world, she doesn't know Peter Spider-Man. So I'm try- again, I'm trying to work out the lore here. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be its own self-contained thing. But yeah, uh, they get attacked by some computer viruses, and they have to work together, combine their powers, combine their th- inventions to basically save the day. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's going to be a thinking book. You know, they're all going to use inventions and stuff. It reminds me of X Club, which no one read but me because <laughs> I'm an X-Men nerd. But basically, it's like X Club was the the really smart X-Men. So it was like Beast, Dr. Nemesis, Ooh. and Kavita Rao, and Box. I forgot Box was there, too. And basically, they were solving all during the, the San Francisco years of X-Men. They were solving all the scientific problems the X-Men had, like how to get the island off the f- ground floor of the ocean, you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah, 
I loved that book, but no one else read it, so it got canceled. So, anyways, um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun, very science based. So, uh, next up is Star Wars Bounty Hunters number thirteen. Oh shit! Those bastards. What? <laughs> what you like it? It's a crossover, Osway. I had to get it. Yeah, it's the War of the Bounty Hunters. Right. So even though this issue is the series has been going on for twelve issues that I've never read in my life, uh-huh. it's part of the crossover, so I have to read it. Yes. Written by Ethan Sachs, drawn by Paolo Villanelli, colored by Reef Prianto, and lettered by Travis Lanham. I'm probably going to end up buying every Star Wars book from this point forward. It's bothering me. So, anyways, um, this one is interesting because it, it's literally about the bounty hunters of the world. So, we got Valance and Dengar teaming up. I'm going to go really nerd Star Wars on you for a moment. <laughs> Do it. Um, Basically, they're diametrically opposed. Dengar's a really bad guy. Valance is an ally to Han Solo in a way. So he wants to save Solo, whereas Dangar wants to just, you know, turn in the bounty. But they're working together temporarily to be able to resolve their resolve the situation. Um, they're on a planet and they run afoul of Chewbacca and C-3PO. And basically, they're all fighting over it. And um, Valance is like, hey, I, I, I want to save Han too. Let me help you. And Chewbacca's like, stay back. I'll do it myself, basically. Mm-hmm. And they get in a big fight, big fun Star Wars fight, and you know, in the streets. And um, at one point, Dengar is just sitting there drinking while Valance is doing all the fighting, that kind of fun stuff. And they're just, yeah, once again trying to find it. And they do find that the Crimson Dawn is back, which is the organization from Solo. Uh, so that's leading to that. So, yeah, it's more of a setup thing, but I enjoyed it. It was pretty good. Um, and man, I'm looking at all these tie-ins, and Jesus Christ, there's a lot of tie-ins to the series. Are you just getting tie-ins, or are you now getting, like, I kind of want to read these books, too? I'm I, For now, I'll just get the tie-ins. But look, here, you can see the list. <laughs> oh, my God. No. Yeah. No, yeah. not worth it. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> it might be. And Maybe yeah, people, to... get, people get their own books. Jabba the Hutt gets a one-shot. Forlom and Zuckus get a one-shot. Boosh gets a one-shot. Hey, don't talk IG-88 about... gets a one-shot. <laughs> if it's not about Ultra Mega... Um, if, if you convince me that it's good halfway through it or along the way, I might get the omnibus for it. I mean, you could check them out for yourself. Oh, no. Because you have a Marvel Unlimited account. Oh, yeah. I'll do that. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> so, you can do that for free. <laughs> so, all I right. Do. So that leads us to the books we share. And once again, we have three flavors of books. <laughs> First one is The Other. And I'm going to start with Strange Academy number 11. Ooh. These books are too distant apart now. I hate it. Like, they take too long to get to us. Yeah. Because it's one of our favorite books, and it takes like three months each time, and I'm like, come on. So, written by Scotty Young, drawn by Humberto Ramos, colored by Edgar Delgado, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. Fresh off last week's, or last uh, issue, where we went to Asgard, wrecked the place, (laughs) and uh, yeah, and then we found out uh, that Toth is now dating Shaylee. Yeah. <laughs> and we were wondering how serious that actually was or if it was more of a joke. It seems like it was actually a relationship based on what we see in this. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, Toth is out late studying. He goes to go back and he gets slammed into a wall by somebody and shattered. His family shows up and they can put his crystalline form back together and cast a spell. Uh, that's when we find out that his mom is like his mom told her or he told his mom about Shaylee. Yeah. So it's obviously like a real thing to him too. So right, 
they put they're trying to put them back together and they realize there's one piece missing which is the heart piece and they cannot do it without the heart missing um that brings in Howard the Duck, Private Investigator. <laughs> yes, if I didn't love this book already, like, <laughs> oh my god. He um, he interrogates all the students. There's some pretty funny moments. I like Calvin being like, I'd like my phone call. It's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I want my lawyer. You don't have a lawyer. It's like, I want dinner then, basically. So, um, but yeah, they basically interview them all i love gus's response of like I'm, i was outside i'm always outside <laughs> <laughs> i like the bit with the characters we don't know the whole thing like i was playing battle call you know oh my like, god yeah ass and the second character is like i was playing battle call getting my ass handed to me by harry styles 56 <laughs> like, just great uh in the end we find out that what i thought was happening um calvin's jacket is mm-hmm. probably the one that did it possessed him and caused him to do it because they find the heart piece in calvin's pocket yeah calvin starts losing control and he feels a sudden surge of despair and then we get this kick-ass transformation oh hell yeah that i know you fucking loved Dude, right hell yeah i did so uh so this is one of the rare strange academy stories that's not a single issue yeah so yeah a lot of them are one shot some of them are like tours but yeah, it's pretty cool. I liked it a lot. Um, I'm glad we're getting more about Calvin because I did want to know more about the jacket, what was going <laughs> on there, because it's obviously related to the hood. Oh you yeah, know, and the hoods hoods was the demon. So yeah, like, yeah. So I liked it. What do you think? I mean, I, I, from from the beginning, it was like I, seeing Toss struggle with the studies, or just like him, just like throwing his head down. I was like, uh, I just <laughs> I feel for the boy. He's really one of my favorite characters, and he has no lines. I either forgot or didn't know that man thing was his dad, so that made him infinitely more cooler. Uh, so, and then and then the part the part where like the kids are all just like waiting for news, and I just want Eric to just shut the fuck up. <laughs> Like I, I, I hated that in that case Doyle got part of the blame too. Yeah, he probably shouldn't have like yelled. But in that case, like he literally was just fucking minding his own business. It wasn't until he was just poking at him, and then like he got still got part of the blame. I was just like, can we just not mess with my boy Doyle? Like fuck, like he he's fine. You guys are just making him a villain when he's not. <laughs> but I I love this book, and one of the things I love about this book is that it doesn't try to throw something like thunderbolts into it like for no fucking reason. <laughs> <laughs> no shade whatsoever anyway no shade. <laughs> <laughs> all right spider-man spider shadow number three yes written by chip Zarsky, drawn by pascal ferry colored by matt hollingsworth and letter by joe caramagna what if peter parker did not give up the symbiote mm-hmm. so we get to see uh dr brock <laughs> <laughs> so eddie brock took dr octopus's arms no and put brock ock Brock Ock, yeah, Brock Ock. <laughs> I like Dr. Broctopus, personally. <laughs> but, um, and the Sinister Six are fighting, uh, basically going to be fighting Spider-Man. He shows up and whips their ass. Absolutely whips their ass. Um, kills most of them. But he gets trapped in a building that's on fire, and we know that's the weakness of the Venom suit. Jonah is such a great character in this series already. Yeah. Cause he's the one, he's like in a big robot suit. He's one of the Sinister Six because he knows Spider Man needs to be stopped. He dumps him in there. He finds out, oh, it's Peter. And he actually ends up saving Peter after the symbiote's off. 
and he says like damn it parker why did it have to be you and i'm like oh because the the J. Jonah jameson peter parker like relationship in comics is really underrated and not talked about oh yeah absolutely like they've been through a lot together (laughs) like so um but yeah basically everybody's killed except for craven and brockhawk of the sinister six and peter's free and we take him back he's he's with uh mary jane and black cat and they're trying to work out what's going on apparently fisk released spider-man's identity to the public and the cops are there to arrest him then we see that the venom symbiote did get away and where did it appear but in the fantastic forest base it's the smart man and it's it's taken over reed and thing and we can see that it's broken off and made multiple symbiotes that are colored very much like the separation anxiety symbiotes oh yeah yeah so very cool i dug this um this series has been a bit dark for me uh, <laughs> yeah, but i, mean, I yeah. enjoyed it so yeah it would be what if he didn't get rid of the symbiote in his darkest days yeah i mean what if is usually pretty dark mm-hmm. so all right second flavor of marvel heroes reborn um should we start with night gwen since last week it was all about the, the Batman? yes that's a that's a wonderful idea okay night gwen number one um i got this cover Oh, that's a cool one. I actually didn't see that one. Yeah. Um, I saw it and just had to get it. So, because Gwen looks awesome. So, mm-hmm. um, creative team written by Vida Ayala, drawn by Farid Karami, colored by Eric Arcianega, lettered by Corey Petit. Um, this, I believe, is the Takeshi Miyazawa cover. So, cool. Um, so, basically, what we get is um, Gwen Stacy. Again, we, we, it's all kind of a pastiche of DC comics. Yeah. In this case, Gwen Stacy is halfway between Harley Quinn and halfway between Batgirl. Mm-hmm. And I think they did a really good job of not having the bad parts of Harley Quinn. Yeah. Uh, basically, she's a psychiatrist. That's all they really took from Harley Quinn. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, basically, uh, her bad guy is the Jackal. I'll be frank. I'm kind of sick of seeing Gwen fight the Jackal, but I'm also a huge Gwen fan. So I see it all the time. Yeah. You know, maybe not everybody sees it. Um, I am happy that Gwen got a spotlight in a in a crossover like this because for this, yeah, there weren't a bunch of characters that got books, and for her to get her own book was kind of an interesting move. So, um, but yeah, I, I dug it. Uh, it's her fighting the jackal, and it had a really cool twist, which I'm not going to spoil because <laughs> it was very cool. I did see it coming, unfortunately, yeah. but but it really enjoyable. What do you think? Uh, no, same thing. I, I did. I definitely saw the the on the nose uh, Harley Quinn, but more so Bat, Batgirl. Especially that's like just like the cover was just like such an homage to some of like DC's best covers of her. Oh, so yeah. it's like, yeah. I uh, love the costume. Yeah, the costume's cool. Um, double page spread. Like, again, like, and her costume in action is actually really cool. Not a bad what if series. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. but, but in the end, it was starting to get predictable before it even got to the, to the main surprise. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, but we've also we've also had like five weeks of these books that have had these twists. True, yeah. So I think we're looking for the twists at this point. Oh, no, just like <laughs> there was just like these panels where it just makes it look obvious uh, on yeah. like why. But yeah, other than that, no, I, I I actually did enjoy this one. It was one I was on the fence for, but I was like, you know what? Like Gwen just has been like just a success story since they brought her back for every other reason of of uh, Spider Gwen, really. So yep. yeah, I'll give it a shot, and it's actually worth my money. Yeah, I love the art. The art was really good. Yes. That was what that was the big highlight for me. So uh next book, Squadron Savage, okay. number one. Written by Ethan Sachs, drawn by Luca Pizzari, 
Color by Carlos Lopez, letter by Travis Lanham. I got the David Blatt cover. Ooh. Oh, no, it's like a spark. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, they're both great covers. So, this one is kind of the Thunderbolts of uh, this world. And basically, we see Electra playing the, uh, you know, the recruitment role. And she's, she's bringing a bunch of people together to stop a big bad guy. And we see Frank Castle playing football with his kids. And he's like, I don't do that anymore. And she's like, do you want to protect your kids? It's like, yeah. And so it goes. <laughs> and we see the team. And she has six people. We keep being told she has six people on her team. We see Cloak. We see Crossbones. We see Murder Hornet. And we see her look in a tube and purchase the person in the tube. And I was like, oh, that's Winter Soldier. And then I promptly forgot Winter Soldier was in this comic. Me so when too. The, <laughs> when the reveal happened, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I was like, that's really cool. <laughs> so basically, um, they attack the Redeemers. And you start getting the sense that something's wrong because Cloak is like, we need to stop Dagger's murderers. And Electra's like, we will. We're on our way to stop them right now. And I'm like, did that happen off screen? But he's so insistent on it. I'm like, they're trying to tell us something here. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we go in and they end up um, fighting the Redeemers. And there's one of the characters is called Moonglow. And she starts using her powers and Cloak is like, your light can't stop me. And we find out that it's Dagger. Uh, Dagger is with them now and that Cloak has been brainwashed. And we see basically what's going on here. All of all of the almost said Suicide Squad, Squadron Savage, <laughs> all of the Squadron Savage have been brainwashed to be used um, on behalf of these missions, and you know do what needs to be done. Um, except for presumably Crossbones, because he doesn't really care. I'm guessing. So, um, so <laughs> even Electra is you know messed up, you know to the point that she did that, and so is Frank Castle. And you find out the big bad is actually um, is actually King the Conqueror. And they're like, yeah, our six people. And he's like, wait, six? And then there's an awesome moment where Cloak summons in the Winter Soldier and blew my mind. And he takes out Kang real quick, which is great. Uh, and then Winter Soldier's face is blown off. So he's yeah, like, two like, panels. Literally shows up. <laughs> boom, boom. Oh, God. It's actually, it was actually really fucking cool. Yeah. And then in the end, you have Elektra and she's realizing, hey, you've been brainwashing me too, haven't you? Yes, I'm not going to remember any of this. No. And we find out the Secretary of Defense who's running this is Wilson Fisk. Mm-hmm. So this was very dark, but very cool. I really it's dug super this, fucking dark, especially like the the padded cell with Frank and like the LMDs, if you will. Oh, yeah, God. so good. Um, that brings us to our last Heroes Reborn book, number six. Heroes Reborn. Um, creative team, written by Jason Aaron, drawn by Erica Durso, colored by Jason Keith. The backup story is written by Jason Aaron, pencil by Ed McGinnis, inked by Mike, Mark Morales, colored by Matt Wilson, and letter by Corey Petit. Um, so we've kind of gone through the Squadron Supreme as they're introduced. Yeah. Zard is my favorite member of the Squadron Supreme. <laughs> okay. So what did you think? She was she was a badass, but I was like, uh, they're, they're making her a little too much. But at the same time, I, but then I was liking um, all of the... I guess the power structure, her power structure or her power level as they were showcasing everybody who she's been able to be. And I was like, all right, fine. Sure. Fine. Whatever. She's actually really awesome. 
There's also kind of like an homage to like we, you know, people talk about the origin of Wonder Woman, how it was created by a guy that was into like BDSM and stuff. That was my, I mean, not 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 so much that that last part. She was just written almost too on the nose, like she was just written by a well, guy. like like this shot. Oh, I mean that part for sure. But that that part, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking is like I'm thinking, oh, they're doing the Wonder Woman bit. I'm just saying her as a character is just like she's just written like so much like from a guy's perspective. Yeah. Well, it's supposed to be a cheesy pastiche of mm-hmm. Wonder Woman. You know, it's not supposed to be good. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily bad, but you know what I mean? Like, it's not supposed to be like, this is an amazing character. I love it, you know? Yeah. I really love the stuff because she comes face to face with Thor. Oh, yeah. And and so that whole fight was great. And okay, but don't get me find wrong. Out the fucking, the, the page where she was like, like the Namor page. Oh, yeah. If I had the lungs and capacity to not just, like, pop, like, a balloon in the bottle of water, you bet your <laughs> ass I'd have a fucking sex session, a fuck session with Namor, too. Oh, my God. And then we get lots of little fun things, like the invisible sword, which is a cool idea. I oh, like hell, that. yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. And just, like, she punches him so hard, she punches his beard off, <laughs> like, which is just great. Like, and then he gets Mjolnir and stuff, and then he, you know, gets away. Um, and then once again, we get a backup story and it does revolve kind of around her, but also Thor coming to the Phoenix and, or Phoenix coming to Thor and being like, Hey, let me guess. Nothing seems right. <laughs> like basically <laughs> like, like we've done this five times now. So, um, so yeah, it looks like everything's coming to a head. Uh, I loved this one because I love Zarda. Um, the statue she's very Zarda. different in this than she was in the original squad. Oh, okay. She was way more of a peaceful wonder woman type. Hmm. Um, I like I like the fact that Wonder Woman is a soldier. Yeah, and that's something that's forgotten a lot in modern Wonder Woman storytelling. So it was good to see this. So, no, her um, her statue garden was actually really badass, kind of dark, but really yeah. fucking cool. Yeah. Um. So we only got one Heroes Are Born left. Yeah, like I'm thinking, like it's like where's this going? Like it's in a it's an event book, but like where's this going? I kind of want this to be like a part one of a of a two parter thing, and like kind of still have him around for like for a second. Well, the next issue does say that they're going to come face to face with the Avengers. Yeah, and then we have the what the heroes come back, not not heroes reborn, heroes return, heroes return. But I kind of want to yeah. see like another mini event or just something to close off another climactic battle than one issue to do it. We'll see. We're still getting the Weapon X book too, so yeah, we'll see. All right, so that brings us to our last party flavor. time, and yes, it is time to party. Excellent time. We'll start with the Children of the Atom. Okay, I was wondering how you were going to do this. And Number yeah. four. <laughs> well, this was only tangentially related to the Gala, yeah. really. So, um, so Children of the Atom, as always, written by Vita Ayala, drawn by Paco Medina, colored by David Curiel, lettered by Travis Lanham. So this time, we focus on uh, Daycrawler. And, um, like... Well, no, wait, wait, no. Yeah, we fo- we focus on Daycrawler. That's right. Yeah, sorry. I was drawing a blank. I thought we were focusing on someone else. Um, and basically, we get to um, find out more about what's going on with the, with them. Um, I'm more and more thinking they're not mutants. I thought it was Marvel guy. Because like the stock. Mar- it, you're right. It is Marvel guy. My bad. They're brothers, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was I was flipping them around in my head. Uh, but like stepbrothers, not real brothers, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, that's the whole purpose of this. Speaking of which, by the way, when you saw this page, oh man, how badly did you want to listen to this song? <laughs> yeah, I just wanted <laughs> to keep going on the comments. No, no, this whole thing was awesome. 
my thing with that is I was like, don't do that if you're not going to make the song. Because we, we <laughs> have know. an expectation with the indie books where they actually make the song Seriously. now. So we're like, yeah. So basically, we find out more about what's going on. They're going to try to sneak over to the Hellfire Gala um, using some DNA from a guy they know is a mutant. Uh, but they get jumped at the gate, and Daycrawler is the only one who manages to get away. Um, Marvel guy actually saves him, helps him get away. Um, so he, it's going to be up to him to save him. He's also the only one who hasn't had a solo story yet. Right. So that makes sense for him to be the next issue. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I don't think they're mutants. I think they've got their no. powers similar to how the Fantastic Four got them. Yeah, I mean, back to your question on, like, yeah, what I thought about them. But we do kind of get, like, the, at least, like, the one page or like when they kind of get the devices at this point their devices it's hardware on how they get their powers um i'm just trying to um i'm trying to uh, piece it together how they kind of manipulate it or just rework uh, all these devices because it's a the laser thing is a gun but we know that cyclops last use them uses them as goggles so i want to see how they kind of rework all these things yeah exactly and uh, like did they all get actual powers? Like how much of it? Is yeah, tech? we just, it's just like, the one. Yeah. yeah, and we almost got there too until everybody showed up, and it's like, man, what what does it all mean? I'm I'm just very curious yeah. still too. Yeah, good stuff. All right, now we're gonna go to the gala itself. Yes, we're gonna start with Excalibur. Yes. So Josue. Yeah. I got cover A. Yes. This one. I got that one. Of course, I did. Oh, nice. And of course, I got all that of them. Um... So, let me put those away. <laughs> All right. Um, I love this book. You guys know I'm a big Excalibur fan. Written by Teeny Howard. Drawn by Marcus Toe. Colored by Eric Arcianega. Lettered by Ariana Mayer. So, this is where we find out that Rogue is leaving Excalibur because she's going to be on the X-Men. Which kind of answers our question if anyone's going to be able to do more than one team. Doesn't yeah. seem like it. Yeah. So. A large portion of this book is taken up by three three main stories. Rogue joining the X-Men. Uh, Psylocke, or I should say Betsy, mm-hmm. coming to grips with everything that's happened to her. Oof. And Richter. Oh, man. Um, so the Rogue one's pretty straightforward. And we find out that Gambit's going to stick around in uh, Excalibur. So we don't have to really go over that that much. Um, Betsy shares the dance with Pete Wisdom, who I love. <laughs> and so you can imagine how I feel at the end of this issue, which we'll talk about. And then also Richter. So for those of us who read X Factor, Richter or Shatterstar is freed from Mojo World, is covered in blood and shirtless, but uh, to be honest, is his default state. And he's like, Julio, my love. Yeah. And immediately that was the name of our episode that week because <laughs> I loved it so much. And he just shows up at the gala covered in blood and shirtless. It's like, hello, Julio. Surprise, my love. <laughs> and I'm like, excellent. As he almost like and, what almost dips him. Yeah, he dips him. And <laughs> Richter's like, the fuck are you doing, man? And he's like, I've been busy, you know. Da, da, da. So that gets put on hold. We'll come back to that. So we got the Pete Wisdom thing, and they're talking about how the the UK prime or the UK ambassador is wanting to break away from Krakoa, and he's also a member of the the organization, the magical organization that doesn't want Kavanakava, that's their name. Um, so it's just kind of like what's going on there. Pete Wisdom's trying to warn everybody. Um, and then he, he, you know, announces we're breaking away and they're like, you can't do that. We have, you know, the Braddock tower, the life, like, like lighthouse is on there. That's our land. He's like, yeah, but that's on our land. Basically. Like, he also keeps calling them witch breed. Yeah. Which is interesting. So it's like, it it almost seems like the right people got their extra five years. So now they want to pull back away. Like, 
talking yeah. to these people. Also, we get a very heavy hint that Megan is pregnant. Oh, yeah. It's very heavily, heavily printed at. So. And then that next page, does that mean with the cancellation of X-Factor and what after the trial, do we get Rachel and Excalibur? Like with that, with that dance and it's like, hey, you're um, coming around more, more often to the lighthouse. She was one of the original members. That'd be cool. It was her, Kurt, Kitty, Captain Britain, and Megan. This invite just five. seemed like as an open invite. It's like, hey, you don't have a book anymore. You want to come over here? <laughs> yeah. So... And then um, Wisdom goes back with Clown Kavanakaba, and they end up sacrificing him. Asshole. Motherfuckers. He better be able to be brought back to life. Oh, yeah. But they, how, how this would is they magic. Know? But they don't know. How would they know? But but if, if you die in other world, you can't be brought back. Oh, if you're shit. magically sacrificed, can you be brought back? Oh, man. Yeah. It's in London. So at least it's not another world, but still. And they do that to basically free Morgan Le Fay, who's been in uh, Jamie Braddock's dungeon this entire time. Then we get this badass scene <laughs> with Richter, where he finally accepts. Oh, and Richter is the only one who remembers Apocalypse at this point, and is like, you know, I know. He saved all of us. <laughs> so, the whole reason why we have, why we have this party, and like, yeah, he calls out, like, I remember you. <sighs> yeah, it's so great. But Richter goes to the druids, who were all about him, and he's like, I, I never wanted this, but now I do. Let's do it. And they give him a, a druid staff. Dope. A shillelagh, if you will. And he's now the druid king who would wield it. <laughs> and he's like, to me, my druids, hail. And what he does is he breaks the Braddock Lifehouse off onto an island of its own. <laughs> so it's no longer part of the UK. Yes. Which is such a fucking power move. <laughs> so, um, and then... Luckily, be a closure because Shatterstar shows back up and he's just like, "Hey, sorry, I brought some beers," and he's like, "You know, I should have, I should have just been nice, or should have been taking it cool and just been like, hey, you want to have a drink?'" And Richter's like, "Come on, let me show you this beach I just made," and they cuddle, and I'm so excited. My heart is so big because I love the two of them so much. So, yeah, <laughs> yes, wonderful. What anything you just want to add about that one? It was just really good. I mean, like the with. Uh... The whole implication of Rogue leaving, that's why I was so happy. I, at least I was welcoming with, like, at least we get Rachel, maybe. And then, yeah, by the end, it was like, who cares if Morgan Le Fay has just, just escaped? Like, let, let me just have this moment right now. <laughs> I hope Wisdom comes back and joins the team, because Pete Wisdom Ooh. is one of my favorite mutants. I really love him. That's cool. The Pride and Wisdom book they did, where him and Kitty were, like, off and on again, hating each other, loving each other. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. The Wisdom, the Wisdom solo series was so fucking good. Damn. Like, oh my god, I love him, so. All right, that brings us to the final book, okay. X Men number twenty one. Huge, Josue. <laughs> I got the cover A. <laughs> I got the Cyclops one. Oh my god! You even though it's did. even though it's hideous, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> and of course, I got this one. Oh my god! I'm gonna have nice. them all. Yeah. So, so we finally see the election of the new X Men. Oh no! That's no, no, kind no. of. The opening okay. sequence. Is okay, we'll talk. I'm, I'm just setting up the reading the the, the creative team. We'll get to it. Um, so this is the the reveal of who the new X Men are going to be. Is the big story. So written by Jonathan Hickman, drawn by four people: uh, Nick Dragata, Ross, Russell Delderman, Lucas Wernick, and Chris or Sarah Percelli, uh, with coloring by Frank Martin, Matthew Wilson, Sonny Go, and Nolan Woodard, and letter by Clayton Cowles. So that's going to be a lot of fun for me to write a tweet about. Uh, so the opening scene is namor at the reception and he's talking to one of the jamie dupes who's serving him and charles and eric show up and let me just say 
as terrible as Xavier looks, Magneto looks great. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so, like the top hat, amazing. <laughs> so basically they're like, hey, why don't you come home to mutants? You're a mutant. We'll put you on the quiet council. And he's like, I'm the king of Atlantis. <laughs> Basically, like, like I don't want to talk to 11 other people who think they're equal to me to make decisions. Like, why would I ever want that? Which is excellent, because that's exactly what Namor would say. Uh, but yeah, basically, he's like, I'm a real king. I see myself ruling over all things, basically, not just some mutual council. And it's, this last thing is like, get back to me when you have something more to offer. So what are they going to offer him? Well, I mean, no, the, the, to me, it was the art. This, oh yeah, Jonathan Hickman, Nick Dragota, back again, post East of West. All the faces were just perfectly East of West. This whole scene, this whole per- perfectly in the sunset, was just beautifully captivated by Nick Dragota and just giving it that just intense dramatic feel oh my god i was just eating up these pages because i was just, god damn it mm. i missed that book so much and <laughs> namor was just fan fucking tastic he's just god he belonged in the, in that book too so yeah I, I absolutely just love this scene yeah and then we have the election scott and, and scott and gene do it really cool they basically link every mutant on the earth we get an appearance by peeper <laughs> who i still say should be on the quiet council and that's big, i want him sorry Mark, i want him next to charles and charles and eric i want charles eric and peeper and i want everybody to ask who the fuck is that i would love <laughs> i would love it if uh, magneto is constantly distracted like they're just like having their own discussions like magneto can we focus again like oh yeah sure sorry <laughs> but that's totally mark Marin up here too Oh, it's 100% Mark Maron. I was, gonna, I was just about to say that. Um, so basically, they have a giant election in their brains. And every mutant makes the case as to why they should be an X-Men, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. as a cool way to do it. And um, then they announce who exactly is going to be it. And it's Rogue, Sunfire, fuck yeah. Um, Wolverine, and that's Laura Kinney, by the way. Yes. Uh, Everett, Cinch. Yes. So that's going to continue. Uh, I love that Skin is hugging him. Yeah. Skin, one of the few Hispanic like superheroes ever. <laughs> like, uh, And Mondo. Mondo's the other one. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice that. Oh, and Monet looks upset. So, quick fun fact. In Gen X, Monet and Everett were dating when he died. Oh. And so he's back. And she's he's one of the few people she's ever deigned to actually like. Yeah. So it's a big deal to her. And now he's back and he's crazy for Laura. Right. So that's why her look like that in that panel is like, yeah, yeah. She's also probably pissed that she wasn't chosen because it, let's be honest, it's Monet mm-hmm. um, and Polaris in addition to Gene and Scott. So that's a pretty fun team. I think we're going to have a lot of like fun with that. Yeah, so. I wish I kind of would have read this, the, the, the gala first before I read all the other Marvel books this week. And like the giant splash page in every other book yeah. was just the reveal. So I was like, thanks, Marvel. It was revealed on Twitter like two weeks ago. So. Mm. Uh, but then we get a bunch of sinister secrets, which we haven't seen since Hawkspots. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to delve into those right now. Uh, by the way, this is Pat Oswald again. Oh, and totally. His wife. <laughs> so, and then stupid asshole not, fin- George R. R. Martin, yeah, right? not finishing his book back there. What are you doing at a party? <laughs> Finish the goddamn book. Go the fuck home. And then we get okay. Emma <laughs> Emma's making a deal. We're not going to find much out about yet. Mm-hmm. And then Scott's helping somebody at the bar. <laughs> so good dude the meta on this moment i just i ate it up dude i was like this is where it starts we're gonna hopefully if it'll be hawksbox will be the introduction 
So Cyclops turns and talks to somebody who thanks him for a drink. He's like, so, and it cuts over and it's Kevin Feige. <laughs> and he says, what's your story? And he's like, well, it's complicated. And we cut away from there. Oh my God, you, dude. You dirty teases. <laughs> you fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we get, uh, you know, it looks like the X-Men are actually sent on a mission because it looks like they're the ones who leave. Uh, well, Storm goes with them too, actually. Well, I mean, like, it's, it's it, so. Quinn just like kind of pointing people around. Yeah. Um, certain people. So, it, and it's oh, Exodus. Exodus yeah. is one of them Exodus. too. Oh, wait. This is the Quiet Council. Wait, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Well, but it's just part of the five too. And Iceman? Iceman's part of the council? I don't think he's talking to Iceman. He's... I mean, he's wa- he's in a panel with him, but maybe he's. But Iceman is literally walking behind Storm into. The you know, it portal. is part of the five because that's Proteus. Yeah, it is part of the five, and then Iceman is walking behind Storm into the portal. Well, we know something big happens. Which oh, we yeah. haven't. Oh, seen it's still yet, Megas so. for planet size. Oh yeah, you're right. It is all Omegas. Oh, we're smart. Look at us. Look, yeah. So, um, and then I love how they use the Jamie Dupes as basically a slave force. <laughs> Can I just point that out? I love it. <laughs> You know, Jamie hates that. <laughs> and then Emma basically is like, we're going to make a big announcement. We're going to link everybody's brains, a deep breath, a soft exhale, and fireworks at the evening's end, which is not the end at all, but the beginning of a new age. And that's where it leaves off. And we still don't know what happened. That left everybody all shocked. I think because the next one is planet size. So I think it'll just be that, yeah. the whole experience. I fucking love the moment when she was just like, um, and you can like, like we're all linking psychically so I mean sorry for the intrusion but this is one of those like once in a lifetime moments where where were you when it happened and it'd mm-hmm. be a shame if you were closed minded to miss it and I was like that's such a great fucking call out to every fucking asshole bigot asshole out there especially like the guy that fucking that was just there in the comic book shop this week um, yeah. but yeah plus I, I actually like it as a call out of like oh you're too good to read X-Men <laughs> <laughs> like, like, oh, you don't read big two books? Oh, well, you're going to miss out. Everybody else is going to be talking about it. So. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, it's way too ambiguous who those two figures are in this little spark of a sun. But this next yeah, thing. I didn't even want to address it. Oh, hell no. Or, you know, uh, you know so. it's way too ambiguous. But man, if it's anything like Pharaoh's, uh, it, I, I have an idea of what it's going to be like. <laughs> but holy shit, Planet Size X-Men, I can't fucking wait because this was such a great setup. Definitely. All right, guys, that's everything we have. Josue, um, anything else you want to add at this point? I know you picked up a couple shout trades, outs. but it's books that you read before, so it's not really you need to review them. Yeah, or but definitely shout-outs for people to also look out for since there are in trades. It's uh, Canto 2, Volume 2, The Hollow Man, and the volume of Terminal Punks. Really, really fucking uh, great books. Nice. Uh, for myself, I am. I just finished Destiny New York, as I said, but I still need to go Volume Four. Mm. I missed the Kickstarter. Uh, it was right <laughs> when we were getting into it, so I missed it by like three days. So I got to wait for it to be publicly available. But I'll be around for Volume Five. Um, the girl from the uh, Smoke Weed and See the Future book, mm-hmm. uh, she's in this. That's oh, cool. I, I got to where she is, so we can see the crossover. Nice. Now. Um, the next thing I'm going to probably read is of Magics and Muses, uh, twelve of Magic and Muses, which. Is one of our Kickstarters. I got three gigantic books for it. I can't wait to get into that. Oh, nice. And I'm either going to read the new Star Wars book or the new Nick Hornby book. I still haven't decided. Flip so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's everything, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on We Have Issues. As always, you can follow us on Twitter for the show. It's WHI Podcast. For Keith, me, that's WHI Podcast Keith. 
For our producer, Liz, it's WHI Podcast Liz. And for Josue, it's Had Josue Reads Josue. Also check us out on our sister show, which is called Jukebox Vertigo, where we talk about all kinds of different music and we build a playlist that's continuously forming. Um, this week, we are doing a Pride episode because of Pride Month, and we're going to have some special guests. So we're really excited to do that and put some emphasis and spotlight on both LGBT artists as well as uh, LGBT guests. Absolutely. So we're really excited about that. So finally, uh, join us as we uh, we, we want to go ahead and give a shout out that we're going to be doing a new podcast uh, with one of our um, one of our old compatriots, one of our good friends, uh, Crozen, who has taken a bit of a step back from uh, podcasting for a bit. Just he's busy. He has a bro life. We don't. Um, so <laughs> as you can he, tell by our many comics. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we are going to be um, doing a new comic or new podcast with him, and this one is going to be a video game podcast. Yes, and. Uh, we are going to be recording our first episode after um, after E3. We want that to be our big launch. Mm-hmm. So the show is called Podcast Ultra. It is going to be hosted by Crozen with the two of us appearing. And you can find it at Ultra underscore pod on Twitter. Uh, so make sure to get on the ground floor of that. I'm sure we're going to do a lot of fun things. Crozen seems like he's a burden with ideas. <laughs> like it's, he's, it's the most like ideas he's thrown at me ever. And we've been working together for like two years. So I really like it. He's motivated and it's going to be a lot of fun. He found a, so, a sound bit board, a sound bite board today. And yeah, he seemed very ecstatic. I, I saw that. I was like, Oh man. So we're going to have fun. I, I'm, I'm excited about it. And I'm going to do miss talking about comics. So, I mean, video games. Video games. Blah. Yeah. So, um, which will mostly be me talking about persona five anyways. So, <laughs> Um, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. You can follow us on Geek Elite Media. So at Geek Elite Media as well. And geekelitemedia.com where you can check out all of our shows plus all the other shows on Geek Elite Media. Check them out. It's pretty much a show for everything. Uh, so check it out. And don't forget to always geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.